Why is it every time I bring up my favorite movie or song, y'all call my shit corny? You act like I don't have no taste and no flavor. I'm a Luddite or some bullshit like that. What kind of particular shit is that? It's the shit I like. That's what I like. That's my type of shit. You know? Why don't you know y'all just say something nice? Showtime. Welcome to the Say Something Nice podcast. Film, TV, and music news and discussions, plus reviews of the films, TV shows, and music we've enjoyed or otherwise, in addition to our Say Something Nice challenge. Be sure to check us out at SSMPodcast.com and on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, and TuneIn. Be sure to like and share the show on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where we are under the handle SSM Podcast. And be sure to comment and rate us five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is Brandon, and this is the Say Something Nice podcast. so glad to hear, be here today. Today is Sunday, October. Good God. The 7th, 2018. Year is almost over. I am here with Ali. Hello. Karen from the Black Guy Who Tips podcast. How y'all doing? And Frank from the Negro Rogan podcast. Hi. All right. How's everybody doing today? Good. Good. We're here and still alive. Oh, yes, we are. That is a blessing. I know a lot of things were going on this weekend. I know A3C was here in Atlanta, and then New York Comic Con is up in New York where Ken is right now. I don't have the money to attend either, so, but I got to go to see two movies we'll talk about later on, and we're going to still talk about some of the stuff that happened up there at, the, at, the, um, at New York Comic Con. But before we do that, let's just talk about some of the things we've been watching on TV and everything, or any movies that we saw other than the two we're going to talk about in our main discussion. So I'll start with Karen. Karen, um, what have you been watching lately? Uh, we have been watching The Gifted. The Gifted has been on fire. The show The Gifted, it has been a lot of fun. And season two just started, and it picked right up with season one. And this has been, it's, I actually like the TV series, better than actually some of the movies about the X-Men. It, it has been great. I have had a ball. Yeah, I saw like the first thing, two episodes. I know Ali, you saw the whole thing, right? The first season. I, I seen the whole of the first season um, and I'm, I'm trying to, I need to pick up on the second season um, because it just started like Karen said and I'm, I'm excited because the, the season one finale um, left everybody holding their breath. Yes, so. it did. Mm, so I'm I'm happy that you know when it starts off I'm, I'm happy that you had a, a good review for it, Karen, because honestly I was scared because <laughs> you know when you know you have your first season and your first season is so good and it's awesome and then the second season and you're just like eh, what happened? <laughs> yes, that 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 and it was Fox. And I'm gonna tell you right now, it's a lot of new shows that I don't watch on Fox. Fox has hurt my feelings so many times because they're really easily to start a new show and then just end it. And you're like, what happened? Almost Human. I, my feelings was hurt when they did that to Almost Human because I love that show. And so when this one started, I was like, I don't know now, Fox. Y'all real good about ending shows. Yeah. But this one, I give them credit. They, it was really good. And the special effects, 
are outstanding for, for television. All right. Nice. I had to pick up on it. So cool. Yeah. That and also me and Roderick, who I forgot is uh, Phantom Events. They actually show like certain things in like the movie theaters. And we seen two movies. We seen the original Transformers, like the very first Transformer movie. They actually replayed it in the movie theaters for like a one time showing. And so me and Roger went to go see that. This, he's, he loves Transformers. So he has seen it a zillion times. This is my first time actually watching the original Transformers movie. Yeah, from 1986. And yes. And it was a lot of fun because at the very beginning, I bust out of laughing because it says, it says, in the future, the year 2005. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I fell out laughing. And I was like, none of this is reality now. I wish it was, but it's not reality. You know, and so it was just fun to actually <laughs> see a lot of the characters and, and see how ruthless the characters can be. I had a ball and the and the lady beside me and Roger was like quoting the lies. I was like, I'm glad y'all getting y'all lies. It's just funny to me because <laughs> this was my first time watching it. So if you ever get a chance to go back and rewatch it, please do. If you've never seen it before and you love Transformers, you will get your life, uh, I, I, you know, quote unquote, spoiler. I don't know if this is spoiler or not. Optimus Prime dies and he does not come back. That nigga dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that was a lot of you people. Uh, that was like, because uh, like I, people like my sister's age, like theirs was Mufasa. People that are sort of kind of in my age bracket, they had both Optimus Prime and Mufasa. It's sort of kind of like the, like, no person who died in a movie when they were a child and, you know, kind of a little bit low-key traumatized him a little bit. <laughs> yes. And I remember Roger said he was crying as a little kid. He couldn't understand. And so, you know, so for me, it, it was fun just to really, you know, rewatch it and just enjoy the nostalgia uh, for Phantom Events. It, uh, if you ever see anything on Phantom Events, go watch it if you like it because you're going to have a room full of people that enjoy the same shit you do. So it actually kind of ups the experience. Like you kind of feel the energy in the room. Mm-hmm. So we went to go see that with Phantom Events. And another thing we see with Phantom Events, we see My Hero Academia actually, sh- actually had same thing, a one night showing of My Hero Academia. And it was excellent. If you watch the series, this particular movie, it's tied in, but not tied in. If you're a fan of Naruto, it kind of does that thing Naruto does, how they have these one-off movies that don't really loop into the world. Yeah, like, don't really loop into the world, but they was like, oh, let's do something special. And it it, it could be a standalone. So it was like that. And uh, if you enjoy My Hero Academia, you would love this because this actually, the characters are the same. It picks up, and it is a fun ride. That I really love that, too. And uh, one more thing, which is coming back tonight. I am one of the, the 10 or hundreds of fans that still watch The Walking Dead, and I'm excited about that shit coming back. Okay, this is season 10. Is, that, is that supposed to be the second season? Is that supposed to be the last season, Karen? No, it's it's not really the oh. last season. Uh, I, I'm assuming at the end, and near the end, they will determine if they're going to kind of renew it. But no, uh, to the best of my knowledge, it will continue to go on. Uh, I like Walking Dead, and actually, truth be told, I think Fear the Walking Dead has been better than The Walking Dead the past couple of seasons, in my wow. opinion, um, because uh, Fear the Walking Dead has actually done more character development and all that type of stuff, and I think 
the, in my opinion, this is just my opinion speaking for the walking dead, uh, the writing got bad. The writing got really, really bad. Mm. And uh, they kind of did the same tropes with the characters and stuff like that. And I think now they have a new showrunner for the walking dead. And so I think the showrunner is going to make a difference. I, I don't, I, I think because of the showrunners, you know, that kind of shifts the writing around. Mm-hmm. And I think with this being uh, Andrew Lincoln's last season uh i think they're kind of going to step the thick step it up i think in my opinion i think that uh with the walking dead we went wrong they thought it was a gravy train that was going to last forever and so uh the thing is they slowed the storylines down but they slowed the storylines down to almost a crawl and the thing is i come to walking dead for action you know uh they had you they begin to do the filler episodes so you go this, what you're doing here isn't moving the storyline along. I don't mind seeing individual, sto- you know, stories for character development, but but this episode, I guess because I watch a lot of anime, this is filler. So I'm like, nothing happened, nothing moved. You just show up. They started doing more of that. And I think for The Walking Dead, it was more, let's get to the next event. And they didn't really prepare real good to get to the next event because I read the comics. So there were certain certain locations that you knew were coming up and it was like let's get to this location and they didn't really do a good job of getting us to the locations and so and also i think with negan negan should have been one season they're dragging him on a little too long and so you know little things like that just kind of um uh changed my perspective and made me enjoy fear better than the walking dead but i still love the show i'm excited about because it's gonna be a fresh everything's gonna be new it's gonna time jump and I'm, in, I'm here for the time jump. That means you can almost erase things when you time jump. So I'm excited. Tonight at 9, I will be there. All right. Awesome. Nice. Frank, Frank what are you watching? Uh, Netflix? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> yeah, what on Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think the last things that we watched, wow, you guys have so much detail about what you guys are watching. We just finished, me and my wife, we just finished watching Riverdale. Uh, season two. Ah, uh, okay. The only reason we got into it because we listened to you guys the review, and I mentioned it to my to my wife. And if anybody knows us, me and my wife are polar opposites when it comes to what we're watching. And it this this show Riverdale for whatever reason, it was just that common TV show that we could watch together at the same time, and we like it. Um, we're not gonna watch it as the season uh, goes now when the season three starts. Cause we like to binge it, right. you know. So, so y'all but, see it probably next May when they finish the um season and put it up on Netflix again. Yeah, don't don't tell my wife though. I, I might you know catch a couple episodes before that. <laughs> <laughs> right now, I know a lot of people because Riverdale is sort of kind of based on the like more modern, darker Archie comics versus like the ones you see in the grocery store. So a lot ah, of people, okay. yeah, a lot of people when they see it, it throws them for a loop a little bit. But I was sort of because because the writer, the showrunner Roberto Guarzacasa, he wrote some of those Archie comics, including he wrote one called Afterlife of Archie, where Jughead becomes a zombie and starts killing everybody. And wow. it's sort of yeah, it's <laughs> sort of that tone just without the zombies. But like, what did you think of it? And did you how familiar were you with like the Archie universe like beforehand? Because you know, aside from it being a sort of a dark, it's does it's not. It's not really no, it's like dark. a it's dark. It's violation dark. of the tone, <laughs> except for the whole Chuck Clayton thing, which we discussed on the show, how 
They wrote parts for Reggie, couldn't get the guy who played Reggie, and they replaced him with Chuck Clayton, and that doesn't work because Reggie's a bad guy, and you can't have the only black male on the on the show being that bad of a guy. It doesn't work. So they had to redeem him in season two, like, very hardcore. Yeah, you could tell. You, you could tell that they had to. But no, I uh, from season one to season two, it, it got dark and darker than we anticipated. Um, and... I know you guys review it and you, you do you guys do a great job of of you know filling in the the all the information and everything and the backstories and all that. But even then I was still caught by surprise how dark it was. But I enjoyed it. I mean, I don't I now for one to always like dark um TV shows or or anything like that, but it was good. I I, I enjoyed it. Um me and my wife, we we love it. Um we still can't figure out it's it's hard because you know you have you're used to having you know, rooting for the good guy and and not really caring too much for the bad person. But here we couldn't help but like root for the quote unquote the antagonist. You know what I mean? So I don't. I mean, the antagonist, he's a really good antagonist. Being the black hood or being somebody else? Um, both. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I'm saying? you know, both. I mean, because 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 uh, I think that the black hood is is a necessary evil. If that makes any sense. Yeah. For those, but, without spoiling, for those who haven't watched, Riverdale season two is about, there's a serial killer in Riverdale called The Black Hood, but he only kills people who he feels like are committing sins that are sort of kind of desecrating the good name of this, you know, wholesome 50s-esque, you know, like small town. So, like, he tries to attack Archie's dad when Archie's dad has an uh, affair with uh, Veronica's mom, who's married, of course. He does end up killing, like, the school teacher who was touching little boys, you know, and oh. oh yeah, like like and but the thing is that some of the people that he ends up targeting, of course, are people like Archie said who are close to the characters. So they so Betty and Archie and Jughead Veronica basically start trying to solve the mystery of who the Black Hood is in order to stop him from killing the next person. Especially after he had started attacking some of the other kids in like the Archie gang. Right. I'll I'll tell you one character I didn't really care for too much, and I forget his name. It was um not not Veronica. It was uh, Betty's um, like lost brother or whatever. Oh shit! Turn- yeah. Oh man, I I did not like him. He was uh, I did not like him at all. The funny thing is, all. like as many Archie comics as I've read, I never expected to see Chick Cooper adapted into anything ever. He's such a minor Archie character. I was like, they have really dug deep into the well for these characters. Yeah, they have. Yeah, they have. I mean. <laughs> It, it it almost um like got me to the point of like wanting to read the Archie comics, um and so and and I didn't know about the zombie, the zombie one, but I I don't know if I wanted to get into that far into it. But. Well, Mark Wade, I think he's finished his run now, but Mark Wade for the last three years was writing in sort of kind of the mainline flagship Archie title, and they all his stuff is in trades now. I think there's okay. six volumes, might be seven by this point. But it's all like really good. It sort of kind of redefines Archie for a modern audience while still keeping it like keeping the tone of it, but make updating it and making it a little bit less anodyne, if that makes sense. Right. Needless to say, I enjoyed it. I, I was surprised that it was 22 or or over 20 episodes, though. Um, so that, that was a really nice surprise. Kind of suck because like you you lose a lot of sleep because we, me and my wife, we do it. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, you know. We we always like you know when, when we finish an episode we pause it for a second and we're like we look at the time we're like okay it's ten thirty we have to be up by six o'clock so we start start doing the math but now 
but yeah, we we always end up watching like two or three at a time. But no, it, it, it was good. The other one that I'm watching by myself is Bojack Horseman. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. I think you got. I think Ali mentioned it or someone mentioned it on the show. Wow. Yeah, I think I watched the first two episodes, and the reason I stopped is because I just got busy with something else. But I heard that it's it's actually pretty good. Yeah, I I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you, Ali, because I was the same way. It's a it's a if you're not prepared for that kind of show, and I and I really wasn't because I, I mean I was um, but at the same time I was like I, I couldn't get enough of it after a while. So I've, I've been waiting for the season five for the longest time, um, and then I'm also watching animes. Um, I've, I like the fact that Netflix invested in some animes. Um, they're still, they're good. I, I'm enjoying them. Uh, I'm watching the, the forest piano right now. I think it is. Um, and I'm watching, they watched last hope, but it didn't really grab and gravitate to it. Now on Funimation, um, I subscribe to it and I watch my hero academia after Ali, you know, introduced it a couple of months back. Um, thank you, Ali. Uh, and I've been watching, (laughs) I've been watching it ever since then. And, and at that point, I I think it was like two seasons in when you guys were talking about it or you introduced it. And so again, I was able to watch it, you know, you know, for as long as I wanted to. And then this season, um, it's been kind of every Saturday morning, I'm like, okay, when is it, uh, when is it going to be up? When is it going to be up? Sometimes I try to kind of like let it stack a little bit so I could watch, you know, two or three episodes at a time. Um, but I, I, I've not been successful at that. Um, I do want to watch the movie, the, uh, but, and I do know, I thought it was, they were going to tie into it, but even on the, on the anime, they, they put on the, their prefaces were saying that it was going to be like, um, uh, they were going to take a break for, 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 to let this movie kind of come out and make all the money that it was going to make. And so, and they also said that it wasn't, it, it, it was going to be like a backstory. There was an episode that they that they kind of introduced what the characters in the movie are going to be about, uh, and then the movie kind of obviously went into detail of of that backstory or whatnot. So, it, but, yeah, it, but yeah, that's that's what I'm watching. My Hero Academia, it, it's so good. It it, it did the, the the movie went into all might. You find out about all mm-hmm. might his history and uh and a history of all might's friend. So they go into the into into details about uh, that in the movie, and uh, with My Hero Academia, we 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 watch through Xbox. We watch what is I won't say B R B C. It's like an anime app on uh, Xbox, and we do we dub people. We you know I, I don't do subbed. Uh, I can do it, but I prefer to do dubbed. Same here. But those of you that dub, do dub, dubbed is easier if you're if you're also multitasking. It's a lot easier to follow when it's dubbed. Yeah, so. right. And so it was just smoother. And so we we watch here academia do that. And the dub version is a week behind real time release. So they'll release the sub version, and then the dub version will come out next week. So we're always kind of right behind it. So with so season two, we actually we actually picked up. Uh, halfway through season one because we were actually watching it when it first came out on Cartoon Network. That's how we even heard about it. And so we started watching that and when we found out it was on the app subbed, where we zoomed through the rest of season one, zoomed through season two, and now we're like you watching it episode by episode for season three and it is so good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I watch it. I subscribe to Funimation. It's just it's just easy because they're doing, they do the simul dubs 
So as soon as the it airs, where I think in Japan or whatnot, they yeah. they they do um, like the same release, the dubbed out version, the same at the same time. So, um, but it's again, it's it's frustrating because you you want I, like I, I just watched uh, yesterday's episode today this morning, and like I I still want more. But yeah, and and uh, to tell you, they did a, a, they said that that movie made like. A lot of money is first weekend. It was like limited release, but they said that movie made a lot of money with limited release. And it came out like one or two days, like in the middle of the week. I don't even think it rolled on the weekend. So it's a lot of fans that watch that. And if you ever do live action, that that was really fun because everybody in there had a blast. They were laughing. They were familiar with the characters. And so they made they made a good, and that's just here in the state. So I can't even imagine what they made overseas. They made some money. Oh yeah, they've made apparently five million dollars already in just in America. Right. Wow, and and that's a limited release too. Yeah, yeah yes, sir. Wow. No more than five hundred thirty-five theaters. Wow. And th- yeah, and I think Karen is right. I think I think it did get like um one more weekend. I think it it, it got um I I think it might have gotten one more um middle of October. Well, next weekend. I think it's okay. it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you get a chance to catch it, please do. It's worth every dime. And I know you guys are talking about it. The last thing I'll say is the Ozarks. Like I've, oh, we're, Ozarks. we're gonna, we're gonna watch it. Um, I just have too many people in my face telling me it's such a great show. You gotta do it. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll do it. So now that we're done with Riverdale, we we'll watch those. All right, cool. Ali, what have you been watching? So um, just a few things. Uh, the first thing um, is I mentioned it last on last week's ep- um, show that I started watching the second season of American Vandal. And um, I, <laughs> I really like this. Um, I wouldn't say that it beats season one. However, the production value you can tell is has increased. Because um, season one, you know, on Netflix, you know, I, I, maybe they treat it like as an like as a, an experiment, maybe like, hey, let's just see if people would like to watch something like this. And then the second season literally opens up with again, this is this is a, a show, and it's it's hard to explain the premise, but I think, like I mentioned before, it's kind of like the documentary making of a murderer. And another, and um, it's kind of like that. And I'm trying to think of another kind of mockumentary style film or TV show, but they're basically making, it's not real. (laughs) I want to put that out there. It's not real. However, it is based on the fictional crime a fictional crime, every season is a new crime. It's a fictional crime that happens and it's usually involving um, young people like high schoolers. And these two high schoolers in the in the actual show, they have taken it upon themselves to become sleuths. And they are using their cameras and they are basically interviewing people a la The Office style. And they're also going around campus and they're looking for clues and trying to figure out who actually did it. So it's a whodunit sort of thing, but it's sort of like a, a documentary to make it look like as if it's like you're actually watching something on PBS, right? And I've, like I said last last week, the, the, the most bizarre and amazing thing about the show is that 
people out here who haven't researched it, they literally get into huge arguments online over the over the show, not knowing that the show is actually fake. This actually didn't happen. So the first season is the crime is there's some kid, some troublemaker kid. He gets accused and expelled from this high school because he gets um, accused of drawing or vandalizing the cars, the faculty cars in the parking lot with dicks. <laughs> like he would draw. Yeah. That's what I kept hearing. Everybody kept saying, what yeah. about the dicks? I remember when this came out. I was like, what are y'all talking about? It was like, who yeah. drew the dicks? What about the dicks? I, I remember I, I saw articles about it too. Right? Arguments online. People just like, we don't think you should have expelled this kid. Y'all, whoever this is, this high school, y'all need to y'all need to just put him on suspension, but y'all don't have enough evidence. This is bullshit. Like it's a good thing these high schoolers um decided to investigate because this is this is what the problem with American high schools nowadays. It is it just blew up and people don't realize it's fake. <laughs> it was it was just this whole big phenomena it's it was really great the second season the crime is um this this uh, again this quote-unquote troublemaker another high school a troublemaker high schooler he gets accused and then expelled from his high school for um the crime is um, during a, a lunchtime at the ca- at the cafeteria suddenly everyone who's drunk from this lemonade, they just start shitting themselves. <laughs> all at once. <laughs> all at once. Also, the whole high school, and it, it, it's, it's, it, they call the person, the person who did this, they call him the turd burglar. <laughs> and wow. So, so basically the premise is that this high school, they call the two um, high schoolers who did the investigation on the first movie and they tell him, hey, we think that this guy got wrongfully accused and wrongfully expelled. We want you to come to our high school and solve this crime. And so the guys go up there to this, this high school and they begin investigation into what's going on. And again, same mockumentary style, same interviewing people a la office, the office. And it just, <laughs> and, the, and you'll notice too that the premise, the, the crime, the crime has very little to do with the actual um, season itself. Because throughout the, the, the season, you will learn more about the characters in, this, in the high school and the actual filmmakers, the two high school students, than you do about the crime. The crime is only to get you hooked to watch the TV show. But it's all about people and understanding our motives for doing things, things like vengeance, morality, and that sort of thing. That's what's been explored. So, so yeah, so that's American Vandal. Very good. Um, the second thing I've been watching is Jack Ryan on Amazon, or Amazon Prime Streaming. Um, so Jack Ryan, uh, you know, it's Tom Clancy. A lot of people are familiar with these Tom Clancy novels. Tom Clancy is kind of like the guy who, who, who who's the guy who writes um, 007 novels, Brandon, God, do you remember? God, what's that man's name? Ian Fleming. Yeah, Fleming. So Ian Fleming does 007 and Jack Ryan, I'm sorry, Tom Clancy does Jack Ryan and Splinter Cell. And, and his, his um, books have spawned like, for example, the Splinter Cell movies. I'm sorry, Splinter Cell video games, right? And Tom, um, Jack Ryan, um, I think Tom Cruise played Jack Ryan in, in I think, two, two movies so far. Or was it Jack Reacher? No, sorry. That's Jack Reacher, my bad. But I don't know if Jack Ryan has ever been on a 
on a movie before. But anyways, um, he is basically um, sort of like an analyst who is like a, um, a U.S. Marine vet turned like a desk job analyst person. And then he gets pulled into some kind of a conspiracy, um, you know, in, you know, in his office um, that, that is related to something in the Middle East that's going on. And he gets, he basically is somebody who gets pulled back into the action again. Right. And so it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, this guy, you thought he was just a desk. You said he thought he was just a desk worker, but suddenly you sh- he shows you these skills that he has. And you're just like, wait a second, this guy doesn't seem like a, like a regular nerd. <laughs> so it's, it's that. And um, what's his name from, um, from the Showtime or is it, I think it's the Showtime or HBO show, um, Tremé, um, uh, Wendell Pierce. Um, Wendell Pierce is in this too. And um, they play off of each other really, really well. The one problem that I've been having with this show so far is that if you guys remember, you remember, you remember Keith Sutherland's show 24? Yes, sir. That's my jam. <sighs> Yeah, Roger, Roger watched this, and he probably he's probably gonna have the same complaint that you're about to bring up. Yeah, it. it's just so many brown people villainy, yeah. and it really turns me off because it it's very it feels very one sided. Like it's it's either the brown people are villains, or either the 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 they're portrayed as um running away from a life of misery. So it's always, the, mm. men are, the men are always bad guys, right? And spies and, and whatever. And the women are are always, oh, we're, we're, we're trying to get away from our husbands because of the oppression and we're trying to get away from, and it's, it's always misery, no matter what it is. And meanwhile, on the other side, you know, you have the non-brown people are obvious, uh, are usually championed as the heroes, the, the people who are out here trying to quote unquote fight for your freedom and whatnot. And it's, it really turns me off to seeing a, a show like that because there could be a real premise here. There, there could be something really going on here, but it's hmm, the way they use brown people in this. And the funny thing is, um, I was talking to Brandon earlier on um, when he told me about the fact that he did, Brandon did go see The Hate That You Give. And I always, I asked him the question, which is when people sign up, when actors and actresses sign up for movies and TV shows that involve a lot of, um, you know, talk about or or issues with racism do, does that show up on your on your like your your um <laughs> your interview like your um your rehearsal your um what do you call it your you know your audition does it say, yeah does it say on your audition like this person you're auditioning for he is a flaming racist <laughs> yeah it does, <laughs> does it say, they have to ask you say, if you're comfortable doing that and if you can actually do that and not and not have it take you to a place you can't get out of basically yeah. Uh, the other thing is like, on the other hand, is it one of the things where it's like, you know, this person you're auditioning for, this person is an anti-Semite or this person is, is a plain a Middle Eastern person who is a terrorist. Like, how does that make these people feel when they're portraying um, these kind of characters on TV? And uh, the idea that they have to do this because they're actors and you and know, they they're gotta, trying to get a job, and that's the only thing they that's can really get. Usually what it is, is usually they have yeah, to grin and bear it because, you know, otherwise, if you were a 
a brown person or even like a black person in certain parts, like trying to get certain parts in certain movies and TV shows, often you got to take things that you don't want to because your bills are due. Yeah. And it's just, it makes me feel really some type of way for them because I know these people are great actors and actresses and I'm sure they, they would love other kind of roles, but because of, you know, you know, racism. basically just racism. In general. <laughs> yeah. It's that's, that's a kind of rule. And, and I thought that by now 2018, we would have grown out of that a little bit. And, and we have, we've made strides, but when I see a show like that, and I remember that 24 was like a whole decade ago, like it, it rubs me the wrong way. So, so that was Jack Ryan. And, um, uh, lastly, I did see Venom, but I will bring that up when we talk about movies. Right. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it, what I've been watching this week. Yeah. For me, I think the only thing I saw that was new was I watched the new the first episode of the new reboot of Murphy Brown. Mm. Yeah, for those who don't remember Murphy Brown, it was a sitcom back in the uh, late 80s and early 90s about a woman who was a TV anchor on the local news station in her town in Washington, D.C., so, I mean, she was an anchor in a, in a large uh, region where, of course, she covered a lot of political stuff. You know, like my friend John loves Murphy Brown. When I went to go visit him this year, he actually made me watch an episode where she gets a job working on, she gets a job working on like a Sesame Street type show. And she ends up having an argument with the puppet live on the air. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so the reboot is basically where it, the the first the cold open is is of the election the 2016 election of you know Trump versus Hillary and she wakes up to the news that Trump's been elected and screams no they go into her mouth and so she decides she's gonna try to go back into being on the news but now she's gonna be on cable instead mm. so she gets her old producer who has been in and out of like the psych ward ever since the election. Uh, <laughs> and wow they, what a motley crew yeah they, they get the whole game back together and they go on the air on cable news you know they've got like all this new technology and everything and they make Murphy Brown get a Twitter because Murphy Brown like Candace Burgess in her early 70s and Murphy Brown I guess is probably up there too the character and but she doesn't have Twitter or social media so she doesn't understand it they ask her well, well let's see your phone we'll get you set up and she has a flip phone and she gives it to the, the oh no <laughs> she gives it to the wow. tech guy. And the oh, tech man. guy's like, I've never seen one of these before. I've always heard about them. And he takes the phone. He's like, <laughs> he's like hey, Siri. Hey, Siri. She's not answering. Did <laughs> 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 they try to touch the screen? The flip phone? Yes. Honey, <laughs> you don't want a flip phone. It's the most irritating thing. The only reason no. why I know how to work them is when you text, you didn't have the letters. So it was like, you were hitting the five, three times. Like, you had to get the letters to change. Yep. It took forever to text. Yep. Oh, no. I love I technology. I will say this, though. Some people, when flip phones were a big deal, man, some people were ninjas on that on that keypad to text. Like, you think it takes forever to text? It took me forever. <laughs> but I'm talking about people who, they, they, you see them just, just tapping real fast. I mean, some people were just ninjas on that thing. I couldn't do it. But man, I had relatives and friends and they would text using their flip phones. And I'd be like, their hands, are, their fingers are moving like lightning fast on that thing. And I was like, wow, that is 
something else. Yeah. And, it, and it would be so loud. Like, <laughs> yes, I, yes. oh my gosh, I hit it across the room. You're going to kill the phone. But those phones last forever. You literally could drop them, beat them to death, blow them up, and the phone would not scratch. Sure would. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And also, they were a real staple in horror movies back when flip phones were a thing. Like because they were so they were so bulky and and they were noisy and they would make all these kind of eight bit noises. Oh, don't forget about the antenna that you sometimes had to pull up. Oh yeah, yes, yes, pull up. Yeah, don't let it bend. Oh, <laughs> That's a wrap. Oh if you if you went, if you went doing that, you were doing the 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 one where you flip the, you flip it up and you shift it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that phone called? Oh my god, is that the slider? Yes, when you slide and have like a keyboard up underneath your yep. up underneath the screen. <laughs> if yes. I had a slider. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was a really good episode. Like, I don't want to spoil the main gag when they when they go on their first um, live show. It just let's just say it involves a certain government official's social media habits. All right. Yeah, and, and, and a, in a way that actually made me laugh because because you you know otherwise that can be a very that person is not a very you know entertaining person to me. Let's just say that. But yeah, I enjoyed that. I haven't seen anything else new other than the movies that we're going to talk about. Um, yeah. No? Try to make sure I make sure... No. Uh, that's it. So let's go ahead on into the news. All right. So first up, as... I don't know if we discussed it on the show yet, but Steven Spielberg is directing a Readaptation of West Side Story. Mm. Oh, ain't that the one where they wear the leather jackets and snap, girl? Yep. Girl, ain't that what I'm talking? Okay. Yep. Well, where the uh, the Jets and the Sharks, the white game versus the Puerto yes. Rican game. Yes, <laughs> I remember. I remember that, and I watched it on like television, so I probably don't know the original. You know, like the original, so I probably got the the watered down adaptation for TV. Well, I think it's the same as just that it's not in like, you know, like the whole widescreen 70 millimeter format. I actually got... Ah, okay. Yeah. I got the Blu-ray a couple, like I think a year or two ago. And so I've I've seen it sort of kind of in HD and it's really, really nice. They, the musical is like the stage, because it's a Broadway show. This Broadway show is about the same. The only they changed the order of songs, the only thing they really changed. And of course, in the movie... They have a whole bunch of white people in, you know, brown face playing Puerto Ricans, except for... Oh! Yeah, except for Rita Moreno, yeah. who plays Anita. She won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for playing um, Anita in West Side Story. She's the first Latina to ever win that award. I think she might... I don't think she's the only, but she's one of the very few. But so they're remaking it. They have casting calls out. This time, they're only casting actual Latinx people to play the Sharks, which is how it should be. Wonderful. <laughs> Imagine that. Right? Mm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, be out He's going to be out here slathering white folks with copper tone, passing off as Puerto Ricans. And, and, oh and, you, and you know what? We actually work with uh, Dextrum Shot of Dog Production. And something he said, he said that regardless of what ethnicity you put, he said white people would try out for the roles. <laughs> He said, they don't give a damn. He said, they will show up and try out for the road. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be here for that because wow. I want to hear their accents. I am curious as well. <laughs> well, if y'all remember the original, Natalie Woods um, acted as Maria, which is one of the things people make fun of the movie for a lot. You know, that, that and the fact that she didn't sing her own songs because she 
couldn't sing that well, so they had to dub her. This time, they're trying to avoid all that and cast people who can actually sing and dance. And to that end, they have their first casting, and they've cast Ansel Elgort to play the male lead. He's playing Tony, who is like the white boy who falls in love with Maria. And sort of kind of, they go through this whole Romeo and Juliet thing. Now, Ansel Elgort, you guys know from playing the lead in Baby Driver. He was yep. Baby Driver. Ah, okay. Yeah. He is, quote-unquote, Baby. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so he can sing a little bit, and he can definitely dance. So I'm guessing they're going to have him, you know, in, in singing class for the next year while they're filming this to try to get all them notes out because it, Tony's not the easiest part in the world to sing. But... I'm looking forward to seeing them actually. One thing I also want them to do with this remake is when they did the revival on Broadway in 2009, they had to scale it back a little bit, but what they tried to do was have for the Puerto Rican characters, when they're at home chilling and stuff and talking about themselves, they wouldn't be speaking, they would not be speaking English in real life. So -hmm. what they did is they had to speak Spanish and they put subtitles on behind them on the stage. I like to see them oh, something okay. like that in this movie. Since it's a movie, you can put subtitles up and not have them sitting here speaking the English the entire time because they wouldn't do that at home when they're not around, you know, having English white people speaking stuff. people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, that makes sense. But I would as, like to as, an English, as a Spanish speaker on this episode, I would, I would be curious to see if they try to do Spanglish. Yeah. They should do the Spanish. Mm-hmm. Like they even translated a couple of the songs into Spanish. Yeah. Like the um the argument between Anita and Maria, like the uh, boy like that, that they that song is when they translated it into Spanish for the last revival and they sing it all the way through in Spanish. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this. Only thing is that it's a Fox production. By the time it get done with it, it'll be a Disney production. So I'm curious to see how that. If that changes how it gets marketed and released, oh, because there are because there are parts of West Side Story that aren't like they are savory on brand. <laughs> yeah, they, because it might not be. Well, I I was gonna say it might not be, but it probably it more than likely will not be on brand with Disney. <laughs> no, no, there's just <laughs> so murder. To, there's 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 sexism. There's sexual assault. You know, because they are even yeah. though it's a musical, they are gangs and they do gang things. They just. They do them in sometimes in stylized ways. Yeah. So maybe they by that time, maybe they'll be okay because it's a because it's a movie. You can be creative, or it's because it's a production. Right. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you should be creative about how you do certain things so that way it doesn't. Um, it doesn't. It's still on brand with the company that um, that's marketing it, but it does not trigger and does not you know, cause, you know, the type of controversy that, you know, you don't want, you know, um, back, you know, sort of hitting you back in the face. So right. I, I get it. Yeah. Right. And I see um, they have Tony Kushner, who Kushner, who actually was the guy who wrote the revival in 2009. He took the original play from 1957 and, re- and revised Ooh. it. And so he's the one writing the screenplay for this. So it hopefully it will be along those lines, which would be awesome. Uh, next okay. up, Netflix released a trailer, a full trailer for The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is the Riverdale, not as, it's not a spinoff of Riverdale, it's more or less a sister show, I guess, now. It was supposed to be on the CW, but the CW turned it down, and so Netflix took it instead. And without the FCC regulations to worry about, they have gone full satanic, like the comic <laughs> is. So, <laughs> like... So for guys, for y'all who remember, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, 
is an Archie character. She's a witch who lives with her two witch aunts. And they made a TV show out of it in, 90, in the 90s. Sorry, Mr. Joan Hart. That was a sitcom with the um, Salem talking cat who was sitting there as a puppet <laughs> on the couch cracking jokes. Yes. Yeah, and Sabrina was part of Sabrina was part of the ABC TGIF Friday. Yes, it was. Like, yes. Long, yeah. Right. With Boy Meets World. Yeah. Family Matters. Like, yeah. All that. Yeah. So the in the comics, Roberto Aguirre Casa, the same man who does Riverdale and did Afterlife of Archie, he wrote a new Sabrina comic called Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, where they go, they do go full witch, satanic, devil worshiping. Am I going to be part of this, you know, devil worshiping life, or am I going to be a regular teenager? Is sort of kind of what they do, and it looks like the show is going to be a straight up adaptation of exactly of that because there's a whole lot of I, I need I need the Bible watching this trailer. I just <laughs> it was doing a lot. I saw this trailer and I know Brandon, so I was like, "Oh, he's going to need a crucifix after this." <laughs> I needed the good word around me because I was like, whoa, this is a lot. This is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the, the as the trailer went on for the show, it just got crazier and crazier. And I was like, oh, they're, they're like, com-. you know when you can tell when a TV show is like completely like unshackled from its like, from any kind of like cable or network t- um, TV company that's completely just, we can do whatever we want. That's what it feels like. <laughs> so, yeah, they just they just went completely full, scary, full kind of horror. But you can tell there's like a little, there are going to be comedic beats in there too. Yeah. So, yeah. And Salem's still going to be there, although they won't be uh, next to each other uh, as much on camera unless he's CGI because apparently Karen Shipka, the um, young lady who's playing Sabrina, she's allergic to the cat that they hired to play the part. Oh, so isn't yeah. that crazy though? And isn't that crazy though? Yeah, like <laughs> we're gonna want you to be next to this cat, ma'am. Because <laughs> Salem and and Sabrina are supposed to be like like this, <laughs> and they ain't gonna be like this because she about she otherwise you know she 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 won't be able to speak. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> coughing and sneezing. And I think the thing yeah. like she probably wasn't allergic to all cats, just the one that they hired. You know, just like right. it's one of those coincidences that happens. You know. Oh, right. But yeah, so that comes out at the end of this month. And I'm hoping I'm hoping people don't see, ooh, Sabrina, and sit their little five-year-old friend in this program. Please so, don't do please that, don't guys. Do <laughs> people who are listening, please do not make your five-year-old child watch this. <laughs> I don't want to see the thing pieces. My child was offended and terrified and, and traumatized. <laughs> Oh my God. And yeah. so was I. <laughs> like the lady on uh, Atlanta who was crying, talking about, Shout out to Colin Kaepernick. Oh, that was hilarious. I was like, Woman. I was like, and she's, and she's out here t- saying all the, all the lyrics too, even yes. the lyrics that she really should not be saying. And her child's in the background playing with toys. I'm like, I thought you said that this was supposed to be traumatic. Why are you repeating it? Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Parenting. <laughs> Next up, the show that probably needs to be canceled, Lethal Weapon. So, as y'all might have heard, long? Well, <laughs> yes, well it is. for now, but not for long. So, as y'all might have heard over the summer, uh, Damon Williams came out and talked about how his co-star, uh, 
Clay and Crawford, because, you know, Damon Wayans plays Murtaugh, and Clay and Crawford plays Riggs on this TV version of Lethal Weapon. And mm-hmm. he was, he didn't like uh, Clay at all. He said that Clay, like, was very mean to him and stuff. He directed one of the episodes. He let Damon get hurt by a stunt and everything. And so Damon basically forced Warner Brothers to fire Clay and Crawford, and they replaced him with, uh, what's his name from American Pie? Sean William Scott. Oh, okay. Interesting. That's an interesting casting. So, <laughs> but now Damon Williams is saying he don't want to do the show at all, period. He wants to quit. What? Yeah. He literally said, I'm literally too old for this shit. He doesn't want to do the show anymore. He wants to take or go away from doing TV and go back into stand-up and try to find his happy again. Apparently he's miserable. So he says that he's only going to do the first 13 episodes of season three, which they're on right now, and then he's going to quit. Oh, okay. I thought he was going to um, producing, like, you know, like being the background behind the camera. I mean, yeah, some people, I guess some people do do that, but like, he just seems like he's just over it. Like, I don't know. And the thing is, is that maybe it's part of this, he's just old and black now. <laughs> you know, it's just, that's mm-hmm. it's just starting the show, but I wouldn't have done it this way. <laughs> Hmm. But I don't know. I don't know what's going on over there. Like, but I, obviously they can't. Re- they can't do a double replacement in the same season. So I feel like they're just gonna yeah cancel the show. They would just, they would just have to cancel the show because if you do too many changes to the show, especially to the, the main characters, then the show is going to be unrecognizable. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, Fox still doing Gotham, so hey, you can plug in and keep going. Yeah, but th- I think this is Gotham's last season, right? They're like done after I, this. I don't know. Somebody watching it. Yeah, like somebody is. Yeah, I think this is their fifth and final because I remember saying this one's this one's a shorter season and this is gonna be the final one. They're gonna actually have Batman show um, Bruce become Batman towards the end of this one. Supposedly. Uh but yeah. <laughs> Lethal Weapon. Well, it was, I guess, and people enjoy it, you know, because I think in part because it's a show you can just sit down and watch. There's not much continuity to it. It just sort of kind of just do like, it's a procedure to do episode by episode stories. So I try to watch a couple episodes of it. It's sort of kind of just, it is, it's not really involving for me enough to keep up with it. I've never watched it before, so. I mean, it's not awful. It's just all right. I just have one question. Is it a, is it a Christmas TV show or no, nah, just playing. You know, the whole argument about the movie. It's a, is it a Christmas classic? I mean, you know, just jokes. That's, I, think you're, I think you're thinking of Die Hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Die Hard, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Well, that, that, I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Die, Hard, Die Hard is what you watch at Christmas. You and my husband would agree. Every year, he we watch it. And that's the Christmas movie. That is the greatest Christmas movie ever made. So, word. Uh, next up, uh, sad news, y'all. Chris Evans is done with his part of the reshoots for Adventures Four, and he made a post on Twitter basically saying that you know it was an emotional day to say the least. He's really enjoyed playing this part for eight years. Now he's finished, basically. You know, people. <laughs> He's my Captain America, like really though. Like yeah. I don't read the like. Roger gonna read the comics and all that stuff, but for me, put like this: 
me watching all the movies, this is my live action comic book, if that makes sense. And I know it's a lot of people out there like me. I've seen every single one from the first Captain America to this one. I've seen them as they've been released. So 2030 movies. So as far as I'm concerned, that's my Captain America. In the film and off, off because the way he be talking to people, on he's Twitter. still my Captain America. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, he be getting people together on Twitter for real. Like he like like he actually wears the costume at home. Maybe he does. Come on, I think he does. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> when no one's watching. <laughs> but yeah, this I know I would. <laughs> he probably has mirrors all over his house. <laughs> Come on, taking that shield and flexing it, man. You can't tell me nothing. <laughs> and and the beard, the beard is on point now. So what? Yeah. <laughs> People, yeah, when the trailer came up, people were just like, oh, oh no, there it is, Captain America. Oh, Captain America, they got old. <laughs> so this does raise the question of people are wondering if this means that he'll actually die in Avengers 4 or if they'll just recast him, which they could do both. He could die and then yeah. come back later as a different and my, actor. And my thing is, if you read comic books, who knows where they could take it? Yep. They could just, he could just walk off and he could come back at any time. I don't know why people think just because he's ending now doesn't mean he will come back at any period of time. He could be coming in flashbacks. Like, you just never know what they're going to do. Right. He could pass the mantle. Like, we don't really know where they're going with this. You know, he may die, and he may not die. Nobody knows. Yep. I I, I guess I, I guess my question or to you all is, and obviously it'll probably be opinion. Um, okay, so so after after this whole... Next Avengers and and Captain Marvel thing pops pops off. Is is Marvel gonna actually first? Because if so, then I could see the characters changing to you know to to a new reincarnation or whatnot. But just like Karen said, I mean, if they and they'll just be on you know like kind of like flashbacks and they'll have reoccurring roles as as the characters they play. So what do you guys think is going to happen then? As far as I know, they're going to continue with what they currently have because they're right now they're shooting a new Spider-Man. There's going to be, of course, a new Black Panther. They're going to keep the people who they still have under contract. So they might just, they might just recast because I remember Kevin Feige said a while ago, I don't know if his feelings have changed, but he basically thought of these characters as, as like James Bond where you can just bring in a new person after a amount of time and have them keep playing the same part. Yet that and because the summer part of the next phase, we're going cosmic. Mm-hmm. And so we're actually opening up a brand new world right. of right. characters. So you can actually do a cosmic stuff and end up spending years out there, not trying to be funny, and building whole new worlds and whole new genres and linking them up and not even touch some of these characters. We, we just love these characters because they were some of the first ones we were introduced to. But when you're telling these kind of one thing I love about Marvel is that Marvel kind of string things up. It's like they go, here's the beginning and here's the end of, of this kind of cycle we're going through. Mm-hmm. So who knows where they're going to take us? And like I said, because they're going comic of the world, who knows what they're going to do? And, you know, when you get into this stuff, they're getting more complex now. Stuff that years ago that they never thought the casual audience could handle. We might be getting into other timelines, kind of similar to the Flash. Like, you don't know where they're going to go. We might meet Captain America in another timeline. Like, I mean, you know, I'm just kind of just throwing things out there because with Spiggy, who knows where the hell we're going to go. Right. Hmm. Indeed. Uh, next up, so a lot of this news is sort of kind of New York Comic Con related. And I think it's all, all, yeah, all this is DC related. So 
Um, Those of you who don't know at home, New York Comic Con is going on um, this moment. Actually, today is probably the last day of New York Comic Con, I think. Oh, well, I, I, um, yeah, either today or tomorrow might be the last day. But yeah, so they're wrapping up yeah. right now. So first up, they announced, because, you know, they're making Birds of Prey as the next DC movie they're going to shoot at Warner Brothers. They're going to start shooting it in January. They already, kept, you know, Margot Robbie is already, of course, going to play Harley Quinn. So that's why they're making it, because Harley Quinn's super popular for reasons I don't quite understand, but... Let's go with it. Uh, and they cast Journey Smollett to play Black Canary. White fanboys and the internet got mad. I'm happy because y'all know um, I'm a Smollett fan. I want the whole family to win. Uh, <laughs> now let's get her brother off Empire and into better projects. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they cast okay. Mary Elizabeth Winstead as the Huntress. And now they've cast Rosie Perez as Renee Montoya, who, for those who don't know, she's a detective in Gotham who works alongside Batman. People were asking, which is Razor Press too old to play the part? But if we're going still with the Ben Affleck, DCEU Batman, she's in the right age range to play a Reddy Montoya who's been around Batman for the last 20 years, basically, which is what they think they're going for. And plus, it'd be awesome to see, you know, a middle-aged woman in an action movie like this. Everybody doesn't have to be young. Right. But remind us, what, where have we seen um, Rosie Perez? Like, where she acted? <laughs> she said, do the right, because, do the right because thing. Her, because White her, her IMDb page is, her IMDb page is long. Yeah, it's very long. She's oh, been yeah. She, she's things. been around for a very, very, very long time. In fact, she got a new movie that's about to come out soon. Yeah, she's been in stuff for a very long time. Like, um, and she was on, was it The View that she was on? She was. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like, it was really good to see her have a part like this in, like, a major movie. I'm just hoping that it's good. Like, you know, like, as you know, yeah, y'all know I love DC comics, but these DC movies, I, they've, I've been hot and cold on them. <laughs> and they've been hot and cold on me. I'm still traumatized <laughs> by seeing Suicide Squad and Justice League in the movie theater. <laughs> I'm I'm rooting for a woman cast, so yeah. I'm not gonna be problematic. And plus, uh, like, is they have a woman directing it and mm-hmm. a woman writing it? So okay, so that all right, so so there, some something good can come out of this because I think a large part of why um, Wonder Woman was such a success was um, because Patty Jenkins um, knew what she was doing. Patty Jenkins, yeah, Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins is a very capable director. And, you know, you could tell, too, that, you know, the characters were handled with, with some, some sense, you know. Of care and, <laughs> and, and reverence for who they were. And they yeah. didn't hire an ad agency to come in and recut the movie. Right. And even the way the women were styled, too, which is one of the reasons. Remember, the, where there was the controversy when, um, when uh, um, Justice League came out, how they had restyled the Amazons. Yeah. Yeah, she had the Amazons. It was just like it was just like how they styled um, the Dora Milaje in the in the Black Panther movie. You could tell that they changed the because the comic book adaptation of Black Panther. It's the original comic book. You know, had the Dora Milaje, and they were they were dressed. Um, 
<laughs> well, in the original, they were dressed like they wore like Grace Jones like outfits, like Jason reference in the movie, but they wore like gowns and things. Yeah. You know, they didn't wear armor in the original comics. And they first, when they were first right. introduced by Christopher Priest in the comics, and sort of the, you know, the person, the person who, the person who I forgot who's art, who's the who's doing the art. Um, on the most recent one when Black Panther was Brian Stelfreeze was being. Yeah, like the way they depicted the Dormelage, they they didn't they again did the very little clothing sort of thing and you know, it, it it rubbed some people the wrong way, but you know, whatever. The point is though in the movie, the way they were dressed, uh, um the way they were styled, um costuming, it was really tasteful, you and know. Functional and as it had, yeah, and it had and because of that, it made it it made them as a as a group. You pay attention to their skills and their abilities and their personalities more than you know just being like ooh eye candy. And that's what Patty Jenkins probably asked for for the Amazons in the first Wonder Woman movie because mm-hmm. when they showed them again in the in their Justice League movie, you could tell that somebody was just like nah. There's too many clothes here. <laughs> yeah, there's upstairs shots like, of Wonder Woman in Justice League. I, yeah, I just, and it's like, you know. why Why are you doing this? Like, what, is there a really big deal? Like, what, why? Why? Right. Yeah, and um, um, my, my thing with uh, Wonder Woman, and for me, when it comes to DC, uh, I'm rooting for everybody, but for DC, when it comes to their movies, I'm, I, I always now say, we'll see. Bat, Batman versus Superman broke me. Ever since that movie, and, and literally, because I was very excited about that movie. And when I seen it, it was a piece of shit, and I was highly upset. It was. And it was. So, and so, after after that, from there on, I go, we'll see with it, with them, because you don't never know what you're going to get. Wonder Woman was their best property. And they tried their best to sabotage it. I'm just, I, you know, not to get off on a tangent, but they tried their best to sabotage that movie. It came out on Woman's Month. Nobody knew when that movie was coming out. Me and Roger knew because we keep up with it, but the average person did not know when that movie was coming out. They did terrible marketing. They did not market it well. They did not push it well. One of the most crucial points in the movie, they tried to get rid of. Mm-hmm. It's like, the what the land. fuck was wrong with y'all? When Patty Jenkins basically said there were so many more things that she wanted to do, she wanted to get the original woman who played Wonder Woman in it, but they nixed that. And I think because that movie did so well, and, and at the end, you can tell that they cut her budget because at the end there was some CGI and stuff. You was like, oh, I yeah. see blurs. What the hell is this? They oh, didn't yeah. get they, they they cheated her. They didn't give her the the budget. It's goddamn Wonder Woman. Spend the money. You're gonna make your money back. And and I think that's what frustrates me with them. They don't have a Kevin Feige. They don't have somebody to help them link it up and and and, and a visionary over, over there. And and as a, somebody who is literally rooting for all of the comic book movies, I don't care who makes them. I just want a good movie. And they do a they're doing a real good job at sabotaging. We will see moving forward yeah. uh what happens because also I think that um uh I think that moving forward it it will tell. Time will tell on this. Uh uh, the executives all kiss each other asses and say, say everything is great, but I don't even think they do focus groups on these movies because if they did, people would be like, that's a piece of shit. But they, you know, they, <laughs> the people who put the money in watches it and praises it and puts it out and go, why is everybody criticizing our stuff? Yep. Ashley, what's sort of talk about this stuff now? So speaking of DC movies, they moved the Aquaman, they show a five minute 
preview. It's more than a trailer. So they show like a whole scene of Aquaman at New York Comic Con and it went online. But apparently they also showed this at San Diego as well. And it's basically the same like cut, more or less. So it's, you know, most most of two scenes of, you know, Aquaman and Mira out in the desert trying to find these ancient Atlantean artifacts that are still above ground and then having a fight with um, and a chase with Black Manta and Black Manta's crew. And I liked what I saw and they're trying to show, oh, look, this, we ha- we cut the lights on for this movie. It's outside in, in daytime. <laughs> the Man, there's a whole sun in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to give them some credit for this, nothing else. Like, right. the Black Manta costume. I didn't think they could do it or they would do it, but somehow they got that goofy-ass head with them big red eyes and made it work in live action. I didn't think it would do it, but they did. So, I mean, we'll see. I feel like what happened with Aquaman, I feel like it's going to be enjoyable, but I feel I'm, I'm certain it might be a little bit underwritten. Just from what I saw in this preview, like like that it might the dialogue might be like a step below the reading level it ought to be for some reason. But <laughs> I, I, I get that feeling that it's gonna be like I, I, it's gonna be like a little sparse, considering how like you know sort of kind of like it should be more like a Thor where you know they're, they're introducing all these fantastic elements and things and sort of kind of leaning into that. But we'll see. You know, it comes out in December. I'm sure that they would move it if they if they could because everything comes out in December this year, and they're probably all going to get a cream by that Mary Poppins returns. Oh, but, oh, Mary, Mary oh, Poppins going to be number one. Oh, that, yeah. that is a goddamn wrap. Yeah. <laughs> but I yeah, saw that that's... trailer, and I saw the penguins yeah. were back, and Dick Van Dyke came back, and they were going underwater, just like Aquaman, <laughs> and like magical adventures and stuff. I was like, oh no, we drew. It's over. <laughs> You know, there's a lot of people that I, I'm gonna go myself to just say it's Mary Poppins, y'all. Yeah. That's what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and also, uh, Karen, I heard I heard y'all's review of Venom, and so you just saw the Shazam trailer this week. Yes. Right. So I am one of two people I know on this planet who is a black and b a fan of Shazam. So. <laughs> okay, because I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, like. We talked about it on the show before. It's a very it's a character from the 19 but well, he's been around since the 1940s, but he's from the 1940s. Back then, okay. he was as popular as Superman, but DC actually sued the company who printed him and then bought the rights after they got it canceled. Wow. <laughs> so you'll see a lot if in the comics in particular, Superman and Shazam have these like have like random fights. Like all the time, like like there's a DC comic called Kingdom Come. I'm sure I'm sure Rod is ready. He probably could like like he might have a copy of it. But basically, like the crux of that is a battle between those two. Okay. Like, and so them making this movie is ironic because they couldn't make Superman work in the DC EU. So mm. that leaves the sort of kind of door wide open for them to do a Shazam movie because it's like all the things they didn't do with Superman they can do with this character. Especially since he's, you know, a kid in a superhero's body. But I'm I'm hoping they get it right. It's supposed to be funny like it is, because that's how the comics are. They're drawn like cartoon characters in the comics. It's sort of kind of why also it's not popular anymore, because people either A, 
want to try to recreate what was done back in the 50, 40s and 50s that they can't do it as well, or B, they try to turn it dark, introduce, you know, blood and guts and demons and Satan, satanic stuff and everything, and neither approach works. So we'll see what happens with that. But I, I was, I was, because I, I wanted to hear what you thought of it, because somebody who never heard of that character before, like, mm-hmm. Because I, because like I'm pretty sure everybody has to talk to because they talked to me. They've heard of it before, so they, they knew what to expect. But I didn't know. I wonder who were people who didn't know what to expect out of it, really. <laughs> yeah, he he's one of those kind of brand new characters because you know you have some of the ones that everybody knows, right? But he's kind of way down on the list when you hear his name. But I didn't know anything about him, right? But yeah, so I'm hoping that is good. Well, if that was not good, y'all can hear me in the, see me on the news in front of the Warner Brothers studio oh, in Burbank with a picket sign. I'm I'm scared because I'm going to be in the theater, probably more likely watching with him. Um, I just know if they do something, if they desecrate this beloved character of Brandon's, he's going to stand up and he's going to be very loud. In this well, but well, well, baby, don't feel bad. Why the Last Man is one of my favorite comics. And they're getting ready. They're in the process of making an adaptation to go to television. Mm -hmm. And now, Roderick and some of the other ones, you know, when they don't do it right, they get mad. And because I don't have these connections, I got the connections, but my connections are a little different. Mm -hmm. But Why the Last Man is my baby. And I'm going to be like you. They (laughs) fucked that up. I'm going to be protesting. (laughs) Particularly the main characters, uh, uh, love interest. If they mess that up, oh, it's gonna be on the pop. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Ali, I apologize in advance. I know at the time I forget to apologize when I either I, either I stand up and scream, "Yes, Billy, yes, Mary," or I stand up and scream, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> Karen, you have no idea. I'd be in the seats sometimes next to him, and I'm just like, "Please God, don't make them throw us out the theater." <laughs> Titans had it premiered its first episode at New York Comic Con. And they put out reviews. I think they let reviewers see the first three, and the reviews are all over the place. Ah, hmm. it's like all the way from it's the best DC TV show ever to it's complete trash and everything in between. Hmm. So, I don't know what to expect. <laughs> Me either. Is it? I have a question with this Titan. Is it on their? Aren't they supposed to have like a separate? that they're doing? Is it on that? Is it on Netflix? I'm not sure how oh, it's like being released. Or yeah, right. so they produced it in for the DC Universe streaming app. That's where it is. It's $7.99 okay. a month or I think $70, $74 for the full year. And okay. basically, in addition, besides, that's the only original I have there right now. The rest of it is all old DC-related shows and movies like the old Superman movies with Christopher Reeve, the old Lois and Clark show. Batman Beyond, Batman the Animated Series, all that kind of stuff. And then Titans will be their first new thing. In the rest, it's that's only in America, though. In the rest of the world, they're putting it on Netflix because the, the app is US only. Ah. So, like Canada and Australia and England, they'll have, and like, you know, in Africa, they'll have it on Netflix because hmm. they, they don't have 
their app over there and they probably won't have it. Like for whatever reason, Warner Brothers is apps. They have one for Boomerang, which shows old cartoons from Hanna-Barbera. And they have one for Turner Classic Movies that shows, you know, old black, white movies called Filmstruck. And they're all U.S. only. I don't know if they just don't want to spend the money to develop them for overseas or what's going on with that. But so to that end, Netflix bringing in the extra money, let them green light a season two of Titans already before it even debuted. Uh, so we'll see what happens with the. I know Netflix also put out their own trailer for Titans that was way better than any of the trailers that DC put out themselves. <laughs> so, so, so who's who's creating it then? Wait, that's news. That's news to me. It's right a there. Warner Brothers production. The same, like it's it's a Berlanti, Greg Berlanti production. The same people who made the Flash and the Arrow show. Okay, like, but mm. it's, it's not in that same universe though. It's got different, you know, like a different team of writers and producers and stuff. But it's all made by the same studio, so it's all shot but, there in Canada. So Netflix gave them the money to to, to greenlight the season two, though. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because they have international distribution now, so they're able to afford to to do a oh. season two of it. Before they, I don't know if they knew whether or not they would put it out over overseas internationally. But now that they have the money, they're going to you know, go ahead for it with a second season of it. Because they're supposed to be doing uh, Doom Patrol spinoff of this, where they'll introduce... Doom Patrol, that's like a deep DC cut. That's a comic book I've never actually even read. I know the Doom Patrol, they're basically like the X-Men of the DC universe, but they haven't had much success since like the 60s. They've had comics since then, but they were most popular when the X-Men were first out before the X-Men became popular in the 70s and sort of kind of took off and did great things while the Doom Patrol sort of kind of floundered. So they're doing that. And, I, and Cyborg is in that show played by a different actor than the one in DCEU. Mm. Uh, they're doing Swamp Thing. I saw they just cast Jennifer Beals to play in Swamp Thing as one of um, the leads. They're, of course, doing the Young Justice Season 3, Young Justice Outsiders. Everybody's hyped for that. And yep, they're that's, doing that's what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> and they're doing a Harley Quinn animated show. They put up a teaser for that where they I don't know if the people at Warner Brothers saw it, but they were they basically talked shit about the movies because it's like Harley Quinn's wow. in the jail cell talking about my new show on DC Universe is gonna be awesome. And Poison Ivy's Nestor is like, uh Harls, they're gonna hate it. They hate everything. No, it's gonna be you're gonna love it. it's gonna be fun, it's gonna be action and adventure and stuff. Is it gonna be dark, you know, like a DC thing? Wow. <laughs> wow. Like, did, did they see this? Did they approve this? I mean, you know, you know, it takes a lot to laugh at your own self. Yes. You know, so. I cracked myself <laughs> up too, honey. Honey, yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, what? I mean, you have to, you have to be able to, to, to look at yourself, and you know, and, and giggle sometimes at the crazy things you do. I so. know, but like, it's like, did anybody at Water Brothers see that and feel a little twinge of guilt in their heart? I'm just, I'm just asking questions. <laughs> I got a little bit of. That would hurt a little bit. Mm. But yeah, so that's all of that, and now let's go ahead on to our. Extended reviews for today. All right, so first up, this weekend, of course, Sony released their very first movie in their Spider-Man, not Spider-Man, live-action cinematic universe, which is Venom. So this was part of their plan for a while. You know, they thought they wanted to make, you know, 
Because I think they're supposed to make a Sinister Six movie a long time ago, like in 2014. I remember that. Amazing Spider Man mm-hmm. Part 2 flopped. And instead, they when um when that hack happened and people found out that Kevin Feige was trying to get them to, to um, produce a Spider-Man movie for them because he wanted to help them. And everybody was like, oh, see, I said no. They immediately had to say yes. They fired Amy Pascal. And then next thing you know, Spider-Man Homecoming. And it's a good movie. It's a great movie. It's an actual Spider-Man movie for once. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if Kevin Feige has hit them up the full about shit. Mm-hmm. And they turned it down. These are the emails that just happen to get leaked. Yep. <laughs> I guarantee you, because he's like me, he wants everybody to win. I wouldn't surprise me if he sent them full scripts. Y'all just do this. Take the credit. I won't say nothing. Yep. Do you know that Amy <laughs> Pascal threw a sandwich at Kevin Feige when he first asked about Spider-Man and coming back to the MCU? <laughs> are you for real? Yeah, she and, threw a sandwich and, at him and was like, and, get the fuck out of here. And 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 you know what? They are never getting that fucking property back. I hope they know that, right? I hope they know once they put it in in his hands, this is the best version of Spider-Man we ever got. And I like I actually enjoyed the not not the the most the re- most recent ones. I actually enjoyed the actor, but you have a kid actually playing a kid. Mm-hmm. You're never getting this property back. And the way they did it, they was like, oh. We'll take care of everything. Y'all just take the money and run. So yeah. they're getting paid to do absolutely positively fucking nothing. They sure are. And, and it's a good deal. But they, it's not enough for them. So they decided they wanted to make more Spider-Man related movies. So they're going to take all his villains and sort of kind of side characters and make movies out of them. This one is the first. Uh, so Venom came out this weekend starring Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock and as Venom with Michelle, uh, Michelle Williams as as his, his fiance, I forgot her. Let me look it up. I forgot her name. But I will go around the room and sort of kind of ask everybody for a letter grade. Because I know Frank didn't see it, but I, I will ask Karen and Ali for a letter grade of what they thought of Venom, basically. Like, sort of how we do the reviews on, on the show, basically. Like a school letter grade, A, B, C, D, F, and any, like, plus or minus in between those. So I'll start with Karen. Um, what letter grade would you give Venom? I would actually give it a C minus. Uh, it was not great, but there was some bright spots to me. All right. Ali. I am in the same boat. I'm going to give it a C minus. Um, it's the movie. It's, it's, it exists. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's there, and um, it's it's got it's. There are some parts that that I think were shot very well, and then there are other things where it wasn't that I was I was scratching my head and trying to figure out what's what's going on. So yeah, right for me, I would actually give it. I thought about this a lot. I would give it a C plus. It's a dumb movie. And the movie thinks that you watching it are dumb as well. But it's diverting and entertaining. I feel like it's it's not really theatrical quality. It's more like if this had been a TV movie from like 10 years ago, that's sort of kind of more the feel I have for it as opposed to actually something I would see. Because I, I saw it in theater, but I only saw it in 2D. Like, I... Because I, I, the... The CGI is the biggest problem for me with it. The CGI is sort of kind of the thinness of the plot. Like this, but like we'll get into the details in a second. But yeah, I would say C plus. 
Like, I didn't hate it the way I hate it. Like, some of the other things I've seen this year, like Night School. Okay. Uh. <laughs> I haven't, I, yeah, I haven't seen that. And I, I've heard mixed reviews. It's, it, it's polarizing. Either people say it was great or people say it was bad. Like, I haven't really heard anything in between with that. It had so much potential, but it wasted almost all. Like, it, and funny thing about Night School, I, I, um, if it had been 20 minutes shorter, it would have been like, three times as good. Problem was that it was too long. Mm, so okay. I think part of what made Venom work for me was that it was relatively short. Right. And you can Hour tell. Hour and a half max. Get us in, get us out. Yeah. And you could tell they cut a lot of stuff out of it. There's like whole scenes missing. <laughs> wow. Because Tom Hardy said, like Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams did not, they don't like this movie, apparently. They were on the campaign trail. Tom Hardy said they cut his favorite 30 minutes out of the movie. Good <laughs> God. Like, 30 whole minutes, dog. <laughs> like, you know where, but you know where paying y'all to join this campaign. <laughs> you know? So why don't y'all stop trashing the movie that you're acting, you're starring in? You know, right. he, you know what he did? He said, check cash, bitch. No <laughs> y'all already cash out me this stuff, okay? Oh, my PayPal has been deposited in. No, no. <laughs> y'all can't get it back. <laughs> There you go. No takes these backsies. Right. So, I mean, and we, we can talk spoilers because, listen, if y'all, y'all don't have to see this movie to know what the spoilers are. There's nothing, there's, there are no real surprises in this movie. It's not one of no. those. <laughs> <laughs> so, we can talk spoilers comfortably with this one and without messing up anybody's um, watching experience. So, basically, we meet Eddie Brock. He's sort of kind of, he's like a, the host of like an investigative a journalism um, cable news show. I'm trying to think of a, of a like, like a real a real world um, um, proxy for him. Uh, yeah, a real world proxy for him. Because I was like, gonna say Anderson Cooper, but Anderson Cooper doesn't have a, like a show like yeah, his. Yeah, or either like, like I, I I felt like it was more like a YouTube personality. Yeah, something like that. But he is on cable though, as far as like like. Ah, right yeah, so yeah. like, okay. Like yeah. if yeah, like if if um. If Alex was, Jones was, was sane. And he was on camera. <laughs> yeah, because there there aren't any there aren't any uh, there aren't a lot of new there aren't a lot of um, investigative reporters that that do their own that show thing. Yeah, they, not, they, they not anymore. That. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in any case, the ones that go out on the field, they aren't as provocative as the way as the way Tom Hardy's character is, you know, yeah. like they, right. they're not, they're not, they're not here to stir, to shake the table or whatever. They're just here to just ask basic questions and you know, like that. Right. And so he, his boss played by Ron Cephas Jones, who I am mad that he's in this movie because this movie was shot at the same time as Shazam. He was supposed to play the wizard in that movie. He couldn't because he was in this mess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm a little bit salty about that, but make your money, black man. It's fine. Uh, he assigns uh, Tom, um, what's Eddie Brock to invest to interview Carson Drake, who's this, you know, he's sort of kind of like an Elon Musk, where he's like this really popular inventor and everything, who's done like amazing things with trying to cure cancer and stuff. And he started this company called the Life Foundation, who, unbeknownst to anybody else outside of the company. They've been sending shuttles to space to collect, you know, examples of alien life. And so they found on a comet these symbiotes 
that they brought back to Earth. Basically, these creatures that look like blobs of nothing in particular that have to bond with other life forms as, you know, parasites, basically, in order to survive in certain environments. And what happens is that when Eddie go before Eddie goes to interview him, because he's trying to, he's heard things about the Life, the Life Foundation and how Carson Drake, who's playing Riz Ahmed, basically, they need to give him a mustache because he, he should have trolled it. Because <laughs> he, was, he, he was doing a lot. Um, but he was trying not to do a lot at first. He was trying to be subtle during the first half of the movie. The second half, he's like, ah, fuck it. I'm evil, bitches! <laughs> Oh, and and his particular character, what I did not like, for me, when it comes to movies, villains make or break a movie for me. Mm -hmm. And he was one note. When he was good, he was one way. And when he was bad, his tone didn't change. His body language didn't change. I was like, what kind of villain is this? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and you, you, you know, I mean, you can have the kind of person who's like, he wants to be more than just human. That's the thing. And that's understandable, but he just, he lacked any kind of empathy at all. Like it was just, there's just nothing to him. He was just this, this one track sort of, I'm just like, what? Yeah. Like he was trying to, he had what he felt like were good intentions of trying to find ways for people to survive on other plans because he felt like the earth was going to, you know, that we were, like, using to borrow the resources, but he was willing to do so at the risk of human life with little regard for that risk. Right, is, and yeah. I think, okay, I could put my nose. His character didn't have any charisma. No. If you're going to have a character like yes. him, you've got to have charisma where he's so almost overly uh, kind and, and, oh, we're doing the best, and then a switch, like, a switch out of change and then you see the evil part of him. Right. But like you said, because he kept it one note, I was like, this character is boring and he's not scary. You know, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't put fear in my heart whenever he, he, he's presented on, on, on the screen. Nah, he's just I like, agree with like Karen. He's just, he's just not very, like I don't, when I see him on the TV, on the, when they showed him on the, like the TV news and all that sort of thing in the movie, like I still, I was, I still was suspicious of him. Like, they, you know how you can come off as a, as a supposed philanthropist and you're just yes. so charismatic and, and you're just, you, you know, you just seem like, you know, somebody whom I would definitely want to work for that guy because everything mm-hmm. about him, he's just so cool. Like, I, he has such great ideas and he just seems like such a great guy. But he never came off like that. So I don't know why all these people wanted to work with him. Because <laughs> the script told him so. Yeah, so the Life Foundation's last mission, the pilot coming back into Earth crash landed in Malaysia, and one of the samples basically got away, which we later find out the sample has a name that's called Riot. And three of the people involved in the thing, they all they die. And so there's a there's wrongful death lawsuits and Eddie Brock's fiance, her name is Anne, Anne, um, Anne Wing. She is a lawyer and she, her firm is uh, covering, is actually defending Carlton Drake in one of these cases. And so one night Eddie finds out, sees an email that comes in on her MacBook <laughs> for a deposition and he 
uses her password, goes in and gets the names of the people who died. And so when he goes to interview Carlton Drake for this softball interview for the cable news, he ends up starting asking all these hard questions with names, ends up, you know, getting run out the building, getting fired from the network, and getting and getting his um, fiance fired and broken up with all the space of about two minutes. So I was like, wow, they're moving fast. Right? <laughs> Yeah. That man's in the blink of an eye, yeah. your life can change. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we didn't get no scene of her, of her getting approached at her cubicle at work or her office, you know, and just tapping on the glass. I, time, the next time you saw her, she already had the box of all her stuff in it already. Yes. Yeah, because, because it was open and shut case. It was like, you date him. He shows up here. He, it's you. Nobody else told him but you. Right. And my, yeah. Right. And my <laughs> thing between... Uh, Eddie and Anne, their chemistry was horrible together. I, I, you know, like maybe, maybe it's like, are y'all in love or not? Like, I, I did, you know how some people you see, you could just tell like that chemistry is there. Yeah. I just wasn't feeling that loving chemistry. Yeah, they felt like it felt like a, a, a relationship of almost of convenience, really. Like, right. So when she broke up with him real fast, at first I was like, that was quick. And I was like, maybe she just didn't like him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I thought I wouldn't go see her again. I was like, okay, she goes. All right, let's move on with the movie. She's just not that into you, guy. Right. <laughs> right? Right. So six months later, uh, he's like, Eddie brought down his luck. You know, he's um, basically at the bar all the time. He's trying to find jobs, but, you know, nobody will hire him to write or to be on TV. And he mentions uh, as an aside that he got run out of New York. That's why he's in San Francisco where the movie takes place. So I guess before he, that's why we don't see Spider-Man around because he ain't New York. He's already been run out of New York. So maybe he'll go back at some point if they can figure out how to make that work. I don't know. And... So he's struggling and everything. We also see him in his regular routine because he now he's moved into like, you know, the bad neighborhood. His next door neighbor plays the guitar way too loud all the time. And, you know, he's helpless to do anything about it. He goes to the local convenience store. The lady is there bare being, you know, harassed by a man who's um, basically like, you know, like like the game ever, like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what do you call it? Um Landlord? What? No, no, he's no. not a landlord. Mm-hmm. He's like basically like like you know like you pay me a certain amount of money protection, and we let oh, you, we let oh, you, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. we let yeah. your business uh, be here. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll yeah, rob yeah. and we won't rob you or burn your store down. Basically, yeah, yeah. It's protection. like when a gang is it's like when a ga- a gang is in charge of your neighborhood, right? Right. Yeah, they, you have to pay them to to protect you from the other gang who's right. trying to. And, yeah, they, okay. and the way they set these things up, it's so deliberate. It's like, oh, he's such a milk toast when it comes to this stuff. You know, he's like such a hard-ass journalist and everything. He's so weak in his in his regular life. So clearly when Venom comes along, we're going to see all these people again. He's going to, you know, show them what for when he has Venom. It was so obvious. I was like, wow, this movie was written for fifth graders. Like, Yeah, yeah <laughs> the, the movie had, the movie had, you know, when you watch a movie and you can just, it's like as if you can tell that there's a grocery list of things that people are, che- the director is checking out, like the, mm-hmm. the script people. They're just like, okay, so we got this done, got that done. And, you know, like you can tell that they're going through almost like they've made like a little map of just very, very tropey um, things that usually happens in movies like this. And they're going down the list and they're checking it off, you know? So, yeah. yeah. And so, meanwhile, Carson Drake has started Human Trials with, you know, the symbiotes after seeing what it does, like, with a rabbit. And one of these people who... And so, 
the lady who's in charge, um, Dr. Dora Skirth, she, played by Jenny Slade, she is, she feels very uncomfortable about the whole thing and everything. And so she decides to call up Eddie Brock to get him to go come in undercover and expose Carlton Drake, take photos and get send him to like his old network and everything like that. So he comes and shows up. him. Yep. And he finds out uh-huh. that one of his friends, this homeless lady named Maria, she has been, you know, signed up for as one of the human um, test subjects. And he tries to, he breaks her out of her, like, glass, like, um, cell or whatever, prison cell. And she's possessed by Venom, grabs him, and Venom goes into him. And he escapes because, you know, now he can jump higher and run faster and stuff. And so all, like, the, you know, the security guards try to fan him and get him. But he's disappeared and climbed up a tree, like, 900 feet tall. And... He goes home and starts eating everything in sight, even trash and frozen. Frozen. So this man is broke, but he has the money to buy name brand Orida uh, tater tots. You know, yeah, you know, there's some, some expensive stuff he's kept on pulling out from the fridge. And I was like, oh, right. I thought you didn't have money. You know what? <laughs> this, this man is broke, but he gave homeless woman Maria $20. Yeah. But this man is broke. Okay. I suppose I suppose they were trying to show in that instance, like he may be broke, but he still has a good heart. <laughs> I don't know. Look, I'm making this up. Okay, I'm trying. My mind was trying. Okay, it was trying to make excuses for this. <laughs> so, right, and so he ends up going to try to find. Where Anne is, she's out with her new boyfriend, uh, Dr. Dan Lewis. And they're out at a fancy restaurant. And so while he's there, he starts acting a fool because the symbiote is talking to him now. And it's saying everything like this. And so he, he's sitting there talking to the person who's not there and freaking everybody out. He starts eating like people's, it's a seafood restaurant, like a fancy where he starts eating like people's food off the um, platters as it's coming. At one point, he feels hot. He jumps into the water tank with the crabs. All the time, he's trying to show Anne on his phone the pictures he took inside the Life Foundation of them, like, you know, using people as human test subjects. And he's so, so extra. Yeah, they take him yes. to an MR, for an MRI. They said Dave took him to an MRI, Dr. Dan does. And the MRI machine basically freaks out, you know, Venom because apparently they're specific. Sounds in the 4,000 to 6,000 kilo, uh, 6, hertz range uh, harm him. Ooh, that's <laughs> very, specific. very specific. Very <laughs> specific. Very specific. And they made sure to say it several times in the movie so that yes. you don't forget. Right. <laughs> yep, hashtag never forget. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And so they end up like trying to run tests and they send him home basically to see if he'll like if he'll be okay. And when he gets home, uh that's when he starts. It doesn't is this a point where he like falls out in the bathtub and then when he wakes up, the uh Venom's talking to him, he's like, Don't answer that door. And of course, on the other side of the door is all is like his like is Carson Drake's like personal SWAT team has come to... His goons. Yeah, his goons have come like to get the uh, symbiote back. And you get your, our first action scene where he basically starts beating everybody the fuck up with, you know, the tentacles coming out his back and everything like that. 
Yes, and I actually like this a lot. Oh, yeah. Because if, if you've seen Upgrade, it was similar to Upgrade because it was just hilarious to see, even though it was, his face was straight, Eddie Brock did a real good job playing, oh my gosh, what's happening? Like, he did a really yeah. good job. It's very first, obvious. Right. He's a, he's a puppet. He's a puppet. So, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I'm very sorry, guy. I didn't mean to do it that way. Oh my gosh, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, he was giving him the business that I was here for it. Mm. Yeah, the only the only thing about that that whole um, car chase scene and everything, the, the big action, is that I was just like, wait, are they trying to capture him or? Kill him. Yeah, I think they were trying to kill him because, at first because they they did and <laughs> and like and so he jumps out the window and they starts just the whole chasing like you said and Ali actually they shot that chasing outside his office down here in Atlanta. So wow. <laughs> so so literally so one of my friends he's a, he's a production assistant on on some movies and I got out of work one day and he was like hey what you doing and I was just like I'm just heading home he's like. Guess what? I'm up the street from your from your office. <laughs> We're shooting a scene, and so I went on there, and he was telling me, "Yes, what's gonna happen?" Blah blah blah. blah. And I was like, "Okay, that's cool." And I didn't think of it much until you know, because you know, it's just. I mean, I wasn't there for the actual scene. I was just there right. to see people set up. So I left, and now I'm watching it, and now it. I'm reminded by the fact that yeah, he was there. He saw this this stunt man and whatever shoot the scene, and so it's really nice to see to see like the setup like in person, and then to see something actually like how everything turns into like a movie, like right here. So it's cool. Yeah, they're trying to get away basically from like you know the, the goons, and so they go on this really long and really good car chase. Where agreed. Yeah, he like he exhibits all these um, enhanced abilities where. You know, like he can like basically like use like the tentacles sort of kind of as webbing, more or less like swing on stuff and everything to grab the motorcycle that he's on. You know, he can fight out some of these bad guys like the tentacles come out and, and change steering wheels and stuff. And at one point he gets hit by the car um, driven by the main guy and he gets healed by the symbiote. Because his leg and everything was broken. And Man, that healing scene was crazy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and eventually the symbiote takes over and turns him into like this, you know, eight-foot monster that we recognize as Venom. And eventually, of course, he does end up getting away. And I wish your body healed like that in real life because Lord knows this arthritis oh, and all this other uh, stuff, honey. Mm-hmm. I wish you would just heal me right on the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> And this actually is the start of, like, the best part of the movie, basically where it's, you know, Eddie Brock and Venom, they're sort of kind of like a comedy team going back and forth, you know. Yes. It's like a buddy cop, you know, buddy cop show. Yeah, where Venom is yeah. the bad cop. Basically, he talks about how he's found Eddie. They're like a perfect match as, you know, symbiote and host. And, you know, apparently, like, Venom... Is at this point is still on board with the plan of the symbiotes, which is to take over the world, to bring all the other millions of brothers and sisters from outer space to come and take over humans, take over the world, basically. And which is a lot. <laughs> but it's just fun because Eddie Brock is sort of kind of like the milk toast, no, can't do that. But it was like, like, <laughs> no, we're gonna do it. We're gonna have fun. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. No, we can't. 
Yes, we can. Just it's it's the voice the voice of Venom which I which I heard was Tom Hardy's voice. Yeah, it's Tom Hardy's voice. Ah, it's Tom okay. Hardy's voice is altered. It's 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 it made me laugh because it was like Tom Hardy in the, the the character of Eddie Brock. He's just so he's so feeble. He's like, no, I don't I don't really want to. I'm like six foot something. I'm I'm this big guy already, and it's just it's so it's so anti what he looks like on the outside, right? And every other character he's ever played in a movie. And then Venom's just like you know, it, it almost seems like this ridiculous human. Like like why is he trying to resist me when clearly I'm you know I'm the I'm the poet master here. I can make you do whatever I want. So I, I don't see the point in you trying to say, tell me no. Right. And so, I mean, I really enjoyed this part. And then, of course, they go to the old cable station. And then, like, like the security guy who used to be uh, Eddie Brock's friend, he, he worked there. And he's trying to tell Venom not to eat the guy just because he won't let them in. He's like, I'll eat him. No, no, you can't eat him. He's got a family. He's got friends. But I want to. <laughs> Stop eating. Yeah. No eating. No yeah. eating people. And so they end up jump, uh, climbing all the way up to the top of the building. And he's like, it is peaceful up here. Your world is not as ugly as I thought. <laughs> you know the funny part about that is literally all, all he wanted to do was get into the... The whole point is to get into his his former boss's office yeah. to right. give him evidence, right? And honestly, I agree, Venom, because Venom's like, wait, all you want to do was just go upstairs. I could have done that for you. I could have done that for you from outside. Yeah. We could you just jump. Up. You should have just said <laughs> so. And so they actually do go into the window and leave the phone with all the evidence on it. And he's like, now jump, jump down. And the next cut is him going to the elevator instead. And Venom's like, pussy. And I. Everybody in the theater just cracked up. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, my theater, my theater was laughing because he's just like, yeah, he's he's actually kind of right. He's gonna break your fall, bro. It's okay. <laughs> and so of course, once they get downstairs, you know, SWAT is there to kill him. And another action scene where he takes all the SWAT and he eats a couple of them as well. And <laughs> Anne shows up and sees all of this and everything. And he, and she, even though they, she's like, you're, you're insane. What are you doing? It's no, I'm scared. Please help me. And for whatever reason, because the movie says so, and because anytime you have a movie, anytime you have a movie where <laughs> the woman breaks up with you and the new boyfriend shows up, the new boyfriend's always just a pushover. And it's really you, the old boyfriend she really loves, which is a trope that I get tired of. And so she man, decides she, to drive this man who is who she's not dating anymore to go to her new boyfriend's hospital to make sure that he's safe. There's just so much going on here. Like, <laughs> what, what is going on? Like, whew. And so they run a whole bunch of tests, including, and eventually at some point, well, and, and they find out that the symbiote is eating away at his heart. Like, you know, because they're, they, um, they feed off of their hosts unless they get, you know, food from other hosts to get instead. Right. And so they end up playing like like a loud noise in that in that specific, you know, like frequency range and separate Eddie from Venom and leave Venom inside of the inside the MRI room. And Eddie's like, now look at you. You're dying on, on the outside of me. You are trying to kill me. 
He don't look so hot now. <laughs> this is where I, I this is where I'm just like, am I supposed to be laughing? Should I be upset? Should I be scared for him? I don't know. I was laughing because he's in there like talking shit to a blob of black. I don't dude. know. Yeah, like why are you talking <laughs> shit to yourself? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, something that just moves around and ends up escaping. <laughs> yep, because it climbed through the vent and then it attacked the old lady's dog <laughs> who's at the hospital. And so when the um, Carton Drake's bad guys show up again and they kidnap Eddie without Venom, you know, and finds the dog and off camera, I guess, I don't know, this Venom... Jo- I, I, this confused me. This part that confused me. So she just decided she was going to be Venom for a second so she could go save her, save her ex-boyfriend. No, I, I, I think that what happened was that the dog looked, you remember how the scene where she and the dog were looking at each other? Yeah. The dog realized who she, I mean, not the dog, but Venom realized who she was and I think she ended up getting close and the dog got close to her and Venom ended up just jumping into her. Okay. And then he was like, we got to find him and, and ran off to find him. Okay. I would buy that. That, that, that would make sense. That that's the only thing. I mean, it might be something completely different, but that's the only thing that made sense in my book. Right. <laughs> yeah, because she totally, yeah, she totally decided that she was that that she was going to agree with Venom and go chase after her ex boyfriend who who got her fired right. from her really really good job. Yeah. So meanwhile, <laughs> Carson Drake killed off the um, a doctor, Doctor um, Scurf. He had these very unceremoniously. Yeah. Yeah. Had to I was supposed to feel something for her because I feel like as if she was an innocent bystander and in all of this. Like she didn't deserve to go that way, and there was no pause to sort of let the audience sort of like miss her a little bit. Oh. Right, yeah. right. And also the thing I didn't realize that Jenny Slate is a comedian. Y'all didn't use any of any of her strengths. She could have been just hilarious. Then you're like, oh, the funny woman died, but we didn't get any of that. Right. Nope. Not a bit. She's just dead. And then the symbiote they used to kill her with also died. And so now they really want to get Venom and Eddie Brock because he's the only, Venom's the only symbiote they know of that's still left. And he's the only successful symbiosis that they've achieved of anybody. But that was always already by the accident. Meanwhile, Riot has possessed person after person, including a very creepy scene where he's an old Malaysian woman going to the airport mm. and he mm-hmm. sees a little white girl going to the bathroom. And so the old Malaysian woman goes in the bathroom after her. I'm like, this is creepy. Could she just tapped her on the shoulder? Uh, I was like, oh, you going to jail. Yeah. You don't attack the little white kids. And so this, this random little white girl shows up at the Life Foundation, <laughs> you know, wearing an outfit from 1960. <laughs> <laughs> and ends up possessing um, Carlton Drake with Riot. So now he has a symbiote of his own. And so now his... And that was that was stupid. Yeah. How did this little girl know, with no GPS now, maybe this is me, how did she know exactly where to go, what building, how did she get, get bypassed all the, the systems that they have? I don't understand. That's a good point. I didn't even think about like, that. And she just looked him at the face. You, okay, you what? I mean, did you become invisible? I mean, well, yeah, they did say he was invisible. So I don't know if he made her invisible because it didn't make any sense for her to be yeah. walking and then walked up however many flights of steps and then just look him yeah. in the face. I was like, how did she get and, here? And here's the other thing too. Here's the other thing too. They made it very clear when they broke into the Life Foundation that 
that she had to she had to put her palm on so many um, elevators right, and, right. and put in so many codes. So you mean to tell me she had to do all that, but this little girl <laughs> just walked on in? What's okay. going on? Okay, I'm glad I wasn't confused. I just took it for what it was, but I was like, how the hell does the girl get in here? And nobody was like, hey, little girl, are you lost? Like, right. we didn't see her attack anybody. So maybe, maybe, maybe that's part of like a cutscene. Maybe there's like a, a huge, maybe there's like a line of bodies. <laughs> Until you get to that. That, that we didn't see. Or yeah. uh, he, it was, I think he ended up telling uh, Venom that he could uh, camouflage. So maybe he made the little girl. I would have loved to seen him make the little girl invisible to get there. If that makes sense. Just something to, to make it make sense of how she just showed up. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. How did she get? <laughs> Although I don't know if they had the money to make her invisible. Because listen, the CGI's movie is is almost generally terrible. Like yes, you can like the the budget was a hundred million dollars, which was not enough for them to make this movie. So a lot of the Venom stuff, especially when he comes with it, when he's it's like the head floating with the little tentacles behind it, like like um waving in like like water. I was like, this is like something from two thousand and one. You can tell yeah. they didn't spend money or time on this like they want mm-hmm. to. Yep. So they do. So we're at the point now where Carlton Drake's whole plan changes. Now he wants to send a rocket ship up to get other symbiotes because now Riot's controlling him and Riot wants to bring all his brethren and sistren down and take over the world. <laughs> right. And so they take <laughs> Eddie Brock and when they find out he doesn't have Venom, they take him out to, like, the woods to execute him. And that's, of course, where Anne shows up with Venom, you know, and kicks all their asses. They kiss, and, he, and she passes Venom back to him. And he's like, we have to stay here. She has to stay here. And she's like, no, I'm not staying. I'm going to help. No, it's too dangerous. No, I'm oh, helping. Boys. I'm coming along. And because, Ali was like, this is not an adventure. Why is she arguing so hard for the ability to come along with this monster I don't know that why she, she didn't like and this, why and she, this man that she broke up with? <laughs> like, she's really... I, don't, I Like, who's trying to get back with who here? Because I could have sworn. <laughs> <laughs> not me. Mm-mm. Only a white woman. I'd be like, nigga, you got it. I'm good. I stay, I stay right here. You got this. And you got my moral support. <laughs> you know the funny thing is that is that before Eddie's life was kind of crazy, but she kind of you know she kind of stood by whatever, and she you know she knew he was kind of a, this kind of like a fire starter in, in the news world, like news reporter world. Mm-hmm. But she still stuck with him. But then after she broke up with him, his life got even more crazy. So if anything, you should be trying to get further and further away from him. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> my thing, my thing, and I understand her helping. But I guess my problem is I lost my job because of you. Like, she's going above and beyond for somebody that she broke up with five minutes in the movie because he forced her. And she, and then she was so hurt and so distraught. All that is forgiven in what twenty four hours, forty eight hours. I don't know because the, the the days and the nights look the same. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how much we didn't get it. We didn't get an idea of the time frame here. Sure did. Listen, I all I'm saying is that she gets a medal because because uh, like Karen said, above and beyond. Above and beyond, and basically from here the movie is sort of kind of you know it's routine. Uh, Riot reveals himself to all the people who are running like the mission control for the Life Foundation. He starts attacking. Ah, I'm an evil monster! I get on the space to say shuttle. Ah, Venom's like, we gotta go stop him. So there's a big CGI fight and there's 
red goo and black goo flying everywhere and everything. And they lose the symbiotes. They get them back. They lose them again. You know, at one point... Just hashtag mess. A mess. Yes, that, that, if it was a mess. <laughs> and something me and Roger talked about when we reviewed this movie, they should have made the color difference more distinct. Yeah. So that when they became one big blob, you've been able to tell the difference between them. Yeah, uh, it's there you just see just just like line ten like gooey tentacles that were flying everywhere. You know, yeah, at one it point, was real bad, y'all. Yeah, at one point, Riot kills Eddie, but right, right before the life leaves his body, Venom grabs him at the last second, and then they turn back, and he's op- he jumps up on the rocket ship as he's flying out. He opens the fuel tank, and explodes, and kills Carson Drake and Riot in a fiery explosion, and then and then. Turns into a parachute to save Eddie and burns himself up. Goodbye, Eddie. And he falls in the ah! water with a big um, discorded piano note. Ludwig did the score for this. Who else did the score for Black yes. Panther? Um, the same Chinese guy. Yep, the he's, same guy. Yeah, he's really Ooh. good. I was like, the score is really good. Who did this? <laughs> like, the score is better than the movie. Yes. That is wrong. <laughs> who is responsible? <laughs> I know. Who is responsible for entertaining me doing this terrible movie? Yeah, what's his producer name? Because it's, it's not his... Uh, what do they call him? Oh, gosh. But it's Ludwig uh, Gorenson is his name. And so... I mean, he's really... I mean, the score is really, really good. They even played over the end credits like they usually do. And I was like, oh, they should just made it a musical album instead. <laughs> Come on. And so, I mean, from there, like, nothing else more or less really ends up happening. Like, they... And of course, everything is quote unquote good again. And is still with Dr. Don, even though she clearly has a thing. Venom comes back and Eddie's going to have a job. He's fielding job offers now that he's exposed to the Life Foundation. And as they're, as they're walking away, Eddie and Venom, Venom's like, who's that man? And it's Stan Lee. So we get our Stan Lee cameo in there. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I love him in anything. He did a cameo in a Teen Titans Go movie and it made my day. Yeah. <laughs> I still need to see that. I still, I still have to, still have to see that movie because I, I heard it was a gift. Yes. <laughs> oh, and if you like Teen Titans Go, you're going to love the movie. <laughs> I really want to see that. And so, of course, we got, um, we got a scene earlier, of course, of Venom taking, I'm um, scaring the uh, loud music playing dude across the hall from Eddie. And then now, of course, we see, because Venom's hungry and Eddie's explaining, listen, you can't just go eating everybody and anybody. There's good people and bad people. You can only eat the bad people. Deal? Deal. And so they go to the convenience store and that same gangster comes in to hold it up again. And Venom's like, bad guy. Bad guy. And y'all have all seen this scene. It's in the damn trailer. It's, you know, it I'm is eat off your arms and then eat off your legs and eat off your head as you rolling down the street like a third in the wind. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> for you to be eight feet tall, you're not scary going through this monologue. Just bite his head off, dog. No, are you doing here? he's not. Yeah, my my problem with that, <laughs> that you know, maybe scratch my head was after Eddie explained like the rules of of who to actually attack, you know. Venom says, I'm hungry, right? And this is broad daylight outside. Then they turn a corner and they walk into the store. And before the door closes, you can see that it's pitch dark outside. And I'm like, <laughs> what? What just happened? What? I told you, day and night, day and night blends. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I don't know if y'all ever played Stardew Valley. It plays like Stardew Valley. If it's Stardew Valley, every Listen. 10 seconds, it's like, it's like 30 minutes. You know, right. something crazy like that. I, I, yeah, that's how the time was going. 
<laughs> so so I was like, okay, all right, all right. So we're just gonna do this. Okay, fine. And then then the whole monologue and the fact that that he bit the guy's head off, and the storekeeper was just like, huh? Like, I suppose like, oh. <laughs> she didn't she didn't scream. She wasn't stunned. I See, mean. Yeah, she, what she must have seen some shit in her lifetime. He might as right, well have started. Like, <laughs> right, I'm like, I'm like, woman, what kind of establishment do you run? Are y'all yes. top, do y'all got bodies in the back that you that he don't know nothing mm-hmm. about? And you was like, mm, I've, I've seen yes. worse, you know. Mm-hmm. Expose her. <laughs> She's doing something illegal. Yep. <laughs> and so she's like, what happened? He's like, oh, I got a, I got a parasite. And so he's leaving, parasite? Well, I didn't mean it. I meant it as a term of endearment. Apologize. No, apologize. And they're like arguing down the street like, like, a, like a cartoon. And that's the end of the movie. Except for there's a post-credit scene where they introduce the guy who's going to play Carnage. Bye, bye, bye. Not impressed. Uh, and there's an extended preview at the very, very end for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is better than anything in the movie that we just watched. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. And there's, there a, go, there's a fucking Eminem song playing over the closing credits. It is. About <laughs> Venom. They hired Eminem in 2018 to write and a, a, perform a song about Venom. I'm like, this movie really is come from 2002, 2003 and just hit the time warp and came to the to 2018. You know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if this script was from that time and it just remade the movie. Like, if they didn't, don't, don't look like they changed anything or upgraded anything. This is uh, something somebody had laying around. I could see that. That would yeah, make I a whole lot of that. sense. Yeah, 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 it would make a whole lot of sense. Because my thing is, I don't know what they're thinking, but just... Only going to be so much you can do without a Spider-Man. Yep. And they're not creative enough to use Venom's other villains to integrate them. So I don't know what they're going to do. All right. Well, they, we do know they're going to do something because... <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I, cause like, after I left the theater, I was like... You know, like, people really enjoyed it. People clapped at the end, a couple of them in my theater. I was like, really? Really, y'all? Really? But... I went and looked online, and lo and behold, Venom made $80 million this weekend, which is a record for any movie that's ever opened in October. Yeah, that, that makes sense, because the thing is, what I've realized, and me and Roger talked about this, most of us kind of know how the properties are divided up among, you know, the big three. Right. The average person doesn't, so when they say in association with Marvel, they'll assume Marvel Studios. Marvel Studios is completely different than in association with Marvel. That's why Marvel changed their logo and right. made their logo the big thing that flips with all the characters so you can t- kind of tell the difference. Yep. So because the average person doesn't know, they think this is Marvel. So they're going to be disappointed if sooner or later they expect to see Superman. I mean, not Superman, but uh, Spider-Man. That ain't happening. Nope. Sure ain't. And it's, I think, what did it make overseas? I think it was like 100 and, $125 million overseas as well. So they've made $200 million already. And it would only cost $100 million to make. They're getting a sequel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Woody, Woody Harrison's going to have a job. Yep. <laughs> There's going to be a dirt in the wind, part two. <laughs> <laughs> right. I cannot. The other big release this week was uh, Star Wars, which I haven't seen yet because I went to go see The Hate You Give instead. I'm going to talk about a Star Wars next week, which is a remake of a remake of a remake. Of a remake is Warner Bros. has made a Star is Born one, two, three. This is the fourth time they've made it. 
Like, so, but everybody says it's good. So, I will find out next week. Uh, but I went to go see The Hate You Give today. Hate You Give is out in select theaters right now. It'll be rolling out to more next Friday, and then it'll be nationwide the Friday after the 19th. It's a young adult, it's based on a young adult novel by Angie Thomas. And it's basically about a black girl who lives in in the inner city, but she goes to a private school with white people because her mom want want her dad want better for her in her life. And it's basically about how when her childhood friend is murdered by the police, you know, as an unarmed, you know, unarmed teenager, how it turns her life basically upside down. She has to realize that, you know, she can't. But she has to confront the fact that she tries to be two different people to do two different worlds. Mm-hmm. It's it's a good movie. It's directed by George Tillman Jr., who directed Soul Food, Men of Honor, Notorious, and, <laughs> and a couple of other films. This one feels more like Soul Food in that it's you know about a black family going through turmoil, and and one thing about. George Tillman's movies that involve like the black family. He love he puts he's really good about putting touches of actual blackness you don't get in other movies. There's a scene where Regina Thomas playing the mom is arguing with um, Russell Hornsby playing the dad. Yeah, I remember Russell Hornsby. He was in Fences as the older son Lyons. Mm-hmm. And you see in their room they have turn to the carriage so you can see the label Queen Helene's cocoa butter on their shelf. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just little things in the movie like there's like things like how you know when you were your parent like you're especially like a black parent there's a little also a little bit of comedy in how they scold you and stuff or you find it like funny because you remember that's how your parents used to scold you like there's a lot of that in this that helps it not feel as intense because you know it is a story about a black teenager who dies in the first 15 minutes of the movie Played by Algie Smith from the New Edition movie and from Detroit. Like, Algie, why is Algie Smith always in a movie where 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 he has to deal with racism and police? Is that just no. <laughs> they just decide to call him wherever they have one of these parts? But basically, it goes through the whole cycle of you know the initial news coverage, protests on like TV and everything. You know, grand jury hearings. It goes through all that from. The perspective of Star, the lead character played by Amanda Steinberg. So there are parts of the story that, how even though we would see it us watching at home, people's a real life story, like how you know Tamir Rice or Michael Brown were. It's from her perspective, so we see it from a more personal level. So we don't see a lot of like the like we don't see a lot of the news media. So we see has happened to the actual family and the friends, the people who actually knew this boy. And all those sorts of things, which is a good way to tell the story because it also lets it unfold a little bit slower so you can get to know everybody as people and sort of kind of understand how, see everybody's reactions. Everybody's reaction to various stages of the whole thing is different. Basically, the main sort of kind of plot, I guess, conflict is that Issa Rae plays an activist named April who wants star to uh, to testify in the grand jury trial to hopefully get the police officer who shot her friend dead, you know, um, on, you know, tried for murder. Right. And it's about, you know, whether or not, 
because she wants to help, of course, but this would mean, of course, A, um, her becoming a target of the kids at at her school, but also B, becoming a target of the people in her neighborhood because, you know, they, like, the, without spoiling any too much, like, the um, kid who dies, name is um, Khalil Harris, he had some connections to some of the people in the neighborhood, like, some, like, the gangs and things that, if it comes out in the press, it exposes like the people in the gangs, and so okay. And her dad used to be in that gang, but now he but he got his life got turned around while he was in prison. It came out, bought a, like a like a grocery store in the neighborhood and everything. So he's he's really like his his name is um his name is Maverick. He's a really good example of, like a black dad in the movie. He's so good in this movie and the character is so good about I, how I've heard that. Yeah. Everybody says that uh there's a possibility he get nominated for it. Yes. he acted his ass off yes. in that in that role. Because it's it's also it's you don't ever see a part like this in a movie because he's so adamant about being there for his kids and protecting them from this world, even though he isn't he's not a perfect person himself but he know but because he knows how terrible the world can be he's trying to you know he's paying for his kids to go to private school you know across city across the across town and everything you know he's doing all these things trying to keep his family safe and that you know becomes a part of the issue as the movie progresses you know at her school you know she hangs around these white kids who will use all this black slang around her but she refuses to engage with them she basically is like, they're like, ooh, is, this is lit. And then she's like, yes, it is, isn't it? You know, she's giving them back proper white <laughs> English while they're trying to give her, like, slang. Her boyfriend is a guy named Chris who uh, who makes beats and thinks that he's a black black on the inside white white boy. Yeah. He's know, one of yeah, them. I know what you're talking about. One of the wiggers. Yes. <laughs> he's played by K.J. Appa from Riverdale, who plays mm. Archie. He got that role because I think the first dude said something racist, so they got his ass out of there. Yeah, the original actor, I forget his name, I'm trying to see if I can find it, but they uh, some old tweets of his turned up where he was in video saying racist stuff, and uh, Fox, Fox's credit, Fox's studio, they immediately said, nope, he is fired. I know we, we're done shooting this movie. We're going to go back and reshoot the parts with him in it with a new actor. <laughs> and they was like, we don't want these problems. We know black people going to come in there. And the last thing we need them doing is protesting a movie about protesting the police. Right. Yeah, the old guy's name was Ken Lawley. Like, and he had shot his entire part. The movie was done. They were there like, nope, let's go back. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's a really, it's a good movie. Um you know, it's not perfect. I f- do feel like it moves a little slow, but I, I realize after a while it moves slow on purpose because it's very, a lot of it can be very intense and very triggering because they go into a lot of things about, you know, not just, you know, they go into a lot of detail about violence in the black community, what the white community thinks of that, what, you know, the police think of, you know, black people, why they, why cops are inclined to shoot black people and everything like that. They go into like, a lot of these topics in detail but they do it at a deliberate pace to keep you from basically freaking out and from having a heart attack watching this movie as certain things happen. The worst character, like the the best, so it's a good it's a good character for the film, but it pissed me off because of how good the character was. So Sabrina mm. Carpenter plays who's a like a a teen pop star. She plays a um a white girl named Haley who is a star's friend at her private school who is you know one of the ones always used to black slang and stuff. 
Um, Ali, I have to apologize. So I was in the theater. I went to go see this one. You know, I was in the theater with other people. And there's a scene where they're on the basketball team and Star won't pass the ball because, you know, she saw her best friend get killed the other day. So she's going through it. And the white girl is like, you need to act like the boss piece of fried chicken and just and just throw it. I said out loud, bitch. <laughs> Okay. Wow. So I would have actually allowed that. <laughs> because, because here's what you don't do. You don't make any fried chicken or watermelon jokes around me. And this what she keeps trying it, Ali, the entire picture. She keeps trying it. But nope, I won't spoil I won't, it, but they fix her ass it. good by the end of the movie. <laughs> Because I was watching wow. her like, 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 please punch this bitch. Please punch her. Please punch her. Oh, she's terrible. Like a <laughs> box of chicken? Are you kidding me right now? And she was like, it's not race. We have fried chicken for lunch today at school. <laughs> <laughs> Karen, if you don't get them, please. <laughs> uh, I, was surprised. I was surprised she didn't come out and say, well, you know, eat it like a box of fried chicken with a side of Texas Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go all out, let's go all out. Yeah, she she was a lot. Like, all the white people in this movie are, are have issues. Even Chris, of course, who thinks he's black on the inside, he has to end up learning to deal with that because he has to learn very quickly that he ain't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so without spoiling anything, like, the movie does get pretty intense by the end. But I like the performances, most of them. Uh, Amanda Steinberg plays Star as the lead. There was a lot of controversy because, you know, she is a light-skinned um, Black woman, and the the girl who's illustrated on the cover of the book is dark-skinned. Right. And, you know, I feel... But I feel like she earns, like, the respect for playing the part. Like, I, I like her in part because you can see how uncomfortable she is in both worlds and how you watch her grow as a character. She's really good. She kind of acts circles around K.J. Apple, who never was the strongest actor anyway. But, I mean, he's okay and serviceable. And, it's, and like, and everything. Like, you know, Common is in the movie playing um, a manless uncle, and he's still Common. But he's the yeah. uncle who's a police officer, so it works. Like, ah, the whole, like, okay. I'm Common, I'm, yeah. I talk and monotone. It works because he's a police officer who's, you know, he's torn because this is his niece. And, but still, you know, he's, you know, well, the cop did it because this and that and this and that, you know. Uh, Anthony Mackie plays the gang lord in the neighborhood. And Anthony Mackie is always good as a village. People don't like him anyway, A and B. He's just, ah. a, he's just really good at embodying parts of scoundrels and terrible people. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Russell Horsby and Regina Hall are my favorites, though. And um, mm. the actors who play the um, Amanda's brothers, Lamar Johnson, that's the older brother, and what's the younger brother? Gosh, gosh, gosh. He's not on. He's not on this thing. But the um, younger brother was a lot of fun too. Uh, and shout out to I don't know if Bobby ever heard this. My friend Bobby Hutley made a movie last year called um, Magnificent Life of Charlie. La Vie Magnifique de Charlie, and one of the actresses, the child actresses who plays the lead character as a little girl, plays Amanda as a little girl in this, Kai Ture. I was like, wait a minute. Oh. I know her. I had to spell her name on the end credits. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, it's a really good movie. The only thing, the only, like, 
casting that had puzzled me a little bit was Issa Rae. And I feel like it's because Issa was wanted to be in the movie because of what the movie was and what the book was. Like, it's weird seeing her in a dramatic part where, you know, because there's no jokes. She's not here to tell jokes. Okay. There's comedy in the movie from other characters, but her character is 100% dead serious. And it's just like, I had to get adjusted to it because it's like, we're so used to seeing her on Insecure and Awkward Black Girl that it's just, it's interesting to see her in this part. But all in all, it's good. And I'm not I'm not going to detail on purpose because I want everybody to see it. And maybe at right. some point we'll have another discussion about it and about how the movie ends and everything. So I would want to talk about that and how other movies that and so how how it would match up in sort of kind of like if you watched it in other recent movies. So sort of talk about the same thing together and what that would be like. And also how it addresses the main complaint that white folks have about the Black Lives Matter Matter movement. And takes it head on, which I thought was a, I don't know, I don't know, it felt a, I like it, but I'm not sure if I like it, like it, I guess I can say right now, for now. Mm, okay. But yeah, I would give it a B plus, A minus, it's somewhere right right on that line. It's B plus, A minus, I haven't decided which way to pull, yeah, probably right now would say more B plus, which is still very good. But yeah, I do think everybody should see it once it comes out in their area. Just before Warren, it's a little long. It's not like long, like it should be shorter, but it's long in that they, there's a lot for them to cover. And so it's like, I think it's like two, it's two hours and 15 minutes long. Mm. So. All right. All right. So that, and because we had so much like um, to cover, like I decided to go ahead and skip our challenge. So we will go ahead and wrap up the show now. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. First, Frank, where can people find you and the Negro Rockman podcast? Good job. Uh, yeah, so our Negro Rockman podcast, we're fairly new. Um, just subscribe. We're on basically every platform, even Spotify and Spreaker or Apple Podcasts now. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and on Insta, I mean, on Instagram, social media, I go by 30 pieces of silver. So it's 30 pieces underscore of underscore AG. That's the periodic table for silver, silver Word. symbol for symbol. So it's not for agriculture people. I know I'm brown, but <laughs> I don't understand how many times I have to explain that. It's so ridiculous. But, uh, and then our, my friend, the other co-host is the Casey Stork. Um, you know, he spells a D-A-K, Stork, Casey. Um, it's a long reason why he, it's a long explanation why he calls it himself that. But yeah, um, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Um, and I'm glad I was able to hear and experience Karen's laughter. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, guys. All right, thank you for joining us. Karen, where can people find you in the Black Eye Who Tips podcast online? You can find everything about us over at the theblackoutwhotips.com. Uh, uh, for those of you who may be, this may be your first time hearing about me. Uh, it's a podcast me and my husband do five days a week, uh, Saturday through Wednesday. Um, you can find everything over there. All our old shows up there. Uh, we do premium shows. Uh, all Everything about us is there. Every, across social media, we're at uh, the Black Out Who Tips. Uh, the Twitter is at TBGWT. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I am Say That Again. That is in DAT. And my husband, Rod, you can follow him on Twitter at Rodimus Prime. 
Yep, and definitely check out the premium because they they give you. Listen, you have enough content to get to all of the work days that you'll be enjoying and laughing. People will be like, why are you so joyous? And the office is like all dour. <laughs> Listen, um, shout out to Rod and Karen for taking taking us through um, this heavy traffic in the morning every day. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> When because, I used to live on the other side of Atlanta, is- <laughs> I used to listen to the show live and like they would get me through as these gigantic 18 wheels are behind me trying to go 85 miles per hour on wow. I-285 trying to run me over. <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, I'm glad we can help you be safe to your trip, baby. I, thank you. Thank y'all very much. I'm glad too. As for us, you can find us um, at SSMPodcast.com. You can find a show on Apple Podcasts that you're at ACAST. And wherever else podcasts can be found, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at, at @bTouch, and you can find Ali at our Say Something Nice podcast group on Facebook, where we talk about all this stuff and we act like a little bit of a fool, not a whole lot of a fool, just enough. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so that's it. Thanks everybody for joining us. This has been the Say Something Nice podcast. I am Brandon. This is Ali. Frank, 30 pieces. Karen for the Black Eyed Tears. And we will see you guys next time.